Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. At an initial stage, beyond that, it's a proprietary algorithm of my own design that delivers the serendipitous aspect of it. Now, the deterministic aspect, any computer programmer could uh, duplicate. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grammaric Show. We are going to be chatting with Cliff High a little bit later. Uh, was uh, I really enjoyed it. One of the funner ones in a while. Um, but first, as always, Graham Ball Hockey Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> Not bad. So you're Pretty dr- good. Driving across the country. No, I'm to just play driving a couple to the games coast. of ball hockey. Yeah. How long's the drive? Nine hours. At the speed limit? Uh, no. Well, I don't know. Ten hours at the speed limit, maybe? I thought it was more like 12. Actually, I have to fix my radar detector. It's not working. Uh-huh. But my fuse, I think that my. The fuse gone. So how much did it cost you to re-register your car this year? Just to change my address, it cost me 330 bucks. Yeah. I remember one time I went in to fucking renew my license. It was 970 bucks. <laughs> I couldn't even do it. I just had to walk out of there. <laughs> just turn around and head down. So I go, well, I think I like, you, you. obviously first you get mad, you go through the steps. Denial. No, what? No, that's Denial. wrong. That's not, Anger. That's not yeah. me. Anger. <clears throat> and then finally you're going to go and wait till payday. She gave me a number to call because one of the tickets I don't remember getting. I don't. I didn't get it in the mail. It was after the one that I got with you in the car. I find it hard to believe that you're innocent. Well, me too, but I, just, well, I need to remember what it was, what ticket it was. Is that like just a personal thing? Yeah, I mean, just in case. Yeah. What if they throw fucking extra tickets at people? I don't think that happens. I, I'd like to hear from one person out there that has ever got a ticket that they weren't supposed to get. Weren't supposed to get. Just a random surprise. Gotcha. So, yeah, driving to, uh, to Richmond on the coast, play a little ball hockey in a tournament. Richmond, B.C.? Yeah. That's like right on the border. Pretty well, much. no, not really. Isn't no, it? it's close to the border, but it's not on the you border. This is right down. next to Vancouver. It's it's pretty much. I'll be staying in Vancouver and in, oh, yeah. in the New West. At your mom's? Yeah, and my sister's probably. It'll be fun. There's, I'll be playing four games or something maybe with a bunch of old buddies that I used to hang out with. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe a grandma won't be back. <laughs> grandma might, might not come back. Just a, grandma's on a runaway. Oh yeah, I'll be fine. It'll be good. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we'll see what kind of shape you're in when we get back. I predict you're going to come back with some sort of injury. Well, I'm already nursing one right now, trying to get over it. Yeah, like a, you're going to come back in a sling or yeah, a crutch. Think so? Thanks, buddy. You and Sal are going to be Thanks. hobbling around the office together. Thanks. So, yeah, this episode was really fun with Cliff. We talked about all kinds of uh, predictions and stuff. and Yeah. Weather. Weather? Weather. Gold, silver. Linguistics. Linguistics. Using linguistics Bitcoin, to predict the future. Central banks. 
Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. He was a great oh fuck. Transport. Someone sent us some bitcoins, and I can't fucking remember. I can't find the message thread. I can't remember who it was. How I did they send I, it? I think I gave them instead of giving them my Bitcoin, our Bitcoin address, I think I gave him the Bitcoin from the last person I had sent Bitcoins to. Oh, wow, nice. Which was someone on Fiverr. So I think uh, that might have went to some random person, 100 bucks. I don't know, unless there's some... 100 bucks? Yeah, I think it was about 100 bucks. Good job, buddy. Yeah. So, or if you're that guy on Fiverr, because... Can he tell if they cashed in? If he can figure it out and get back to me and let me know... I can probably, because I, I, I know, I, I'll have the history of my Fiverr account of who I paid with those Bitcoins. So I'll be able to say, hey, and I could say, hey, I sent you blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if nothing else, we can probably have, you know, a hundred bucks. 20 more it. jingles. A hundred bucks worth of jingle credit. <laughs> nah, five bucks is usually just entry level. By the time you finish a jingle, you're at, you know, 25, 30, sometimes 40 bucks. The Grimerica Home Videos one was like 40 bucks. Oh, yeah. I had to get a couple songs made. And you had to write it yourself. That doesn't include you writing it yourself. Yeah, the create My creative uh, juices. Yeah, you should do one. No. No? I got enough to do. I can't, I'm behind on everything else I got to do. I got enough to do. <laughs> I do. What do you think? I do nothing for the show? No, I know you do a lot. You pull up almost half. <laughs> so, so what do you got, buddy? It's been, it seems like it's been a while since we've done a regular intro. It has did been. Because yeah. what did we had E-Frame last week. Oh, yeah, right. And then the week before we did it in the car. Well, I could just read a couple letters fucking that we got physical letters speeding, at our PO box. Speeding down the fucking... We got a couple letters from some listeners and a couple books, actually. This one is uh, Dear Darren and Graham. Please accept this copy of Blood Republic and thanks of the assistance you provided during its writing. Some of the themes and ideas presented in the novel were actually solidified while whistle whistling, while listening to the Grimerica show. With this story, I'm hoping to raise people's awareness to the dangers of partisan political thinking, even as they are being entertained. This, the book is about an election conspiracy pushing America into the Second World Civil War. Hopefully, if I can get the word out for people to read it, the fictional horrors within it won't come true. I hope you find it enjoyable and thought-provoking. Please never stop fighting for truth in this crazy. And thanks for helping write the book. That's from Jim Duncan. That's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. It's a thick novel. I think you, you don't, don't you want to read a novel? Yeah, I've been looking for a novel. There you go, buddy. And and you want to get more into politics, so there you go. I want to get more into politics. Yeah. Do I? Yeah. Hmm. I got a handwritten note here from... The handwritten note? Yeah, the Baron of America's Mountain. Ooh. Yeah. What's that? It's, What's uh, America's Baron Mountain? Baron Lemesony. I don't know, it's got to be a mountain back east or something. Back east? Why yeah. do you say back east? What do you mean? In America, though? Back, like east back east in America. America. Yeah. So Graham and Durham. Why is it back east? That's what we say. Those people that have never been east? The, the people from from east, like Montreal and all they that, say, right? uh, we say back east. Right? Oh, are you from back Montreal? East. I am. I was born there. But that's not even east. It's more yeah, like it's, it's middle. East. No, no, it's east. Okay. 
yes. past Ontario, which is yeah. huge. That's right. So the middle is actually in Manitoba. <clears throat> well, Toronto is the center of the universe. <laughs> I don't have a drum. Oh, that didn't sound good. So in the morning, gents, I only recently discovered your show and I'm really liking your work. Most notably the episodes with Marty Leeds, Becky Chambers, and Joseph P. Farrell. There's still a lot to hear, which keeps me entertained. That's better. As I don't have or want a television. Also, thank you for your interest in my book. I hope you like it as much as I like your podcast. So he's going to come on the show with, uh, with Nick the Rat. Another, Nick the Rat. Another night of no agenda. So this is actually, as well, a call out to uh, nights of one of our favorite podcasts. That's people that have donated like a certain amount to, to the No Agenda show. That and we thought we'd have a platform from people, right? So if there's any out there listening, email Graham at GrahamAmerica.com and we'll set it up. Fuck yeah. Or we're on Instagram as well. That's how I found some of them. Some of them? But yeah, it'd be nice to have a platform for people that they're definitely into podcasting. They're definitely, you know, contributing to the No Agenda show, which is really good at deconstructing the mainstream news and crap, right? That's right. And speaking of nights, you can do, we have sort of something similar over here. When people get to $432 in uh, support, they can pick a guest and come on the show. Yeah, provide your own accounting. Yeah, we don't do the accounting. Um, so, uh, yeah, speaking yeah, of... It hasn't happened yet. Hasn't. It ha it's well, happened James, indirectly. It's happened indirectly with people that have helped out in other ways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, check out grammarica.ca slash support. Uh, if you haven't already, big thanks to the people who are supporting us. We are in the dog days of summer, and support is uh, noticeably down. We're getting behind on the bills. So uh, if you haven't signed up for a monthly or supported the show yet, maybe now is the time. Could be the economy. Listen, listening, Listening's up, listenership is up, and support is down, which is yeah. weird. We but get we it do if you a, can't afford it, but if you can and you just haven't gotten around to it, maybe yeah. now's the time. Yeah, we do have a number of fixed expenses we have to pay every month, and it's good That's to right. have that stuff covered. Yeah, so, so check it out. There's everything from a buck a month there, which would work out to about 25 cents an episode, to uh, all the way up to 30 bucks a month. We might as well keep talking about ways to support as well. There's also the artwork, right? That's right. Mention that? Yeah. Yeah. So you want me to mention it? Sure. Okay. So, uh, well, I just finished doing all the talking. Okay, so the artwork, <laughs> we have episode art every week. And it's listeners that have, you know, submitted that art. And it shows up in your podcast player, or in most podcast players, and on the website. And I post it on Instagram. And Napoleon Doom, the guy that used to do all the art, is uh, helping us by having uh, people submit their art and then there's a vote and they vote on it. We might we might change up how it works, but for now, people can actually get their art on, on the weekly episodes. So send it, yeah. send an email to nap at com. Last week was... Uh, oh, yeah, we should mention that too. Jeff Wilson. Was it Jeff Wilson last week? That was his second? Second or third? Oh, I know, I confused. And now, of course, this episode, for the first time ever, we actually already know who the artist is, and it's your sister. Your sister one, yeah. Right, congrats. That's for Cliff Eyes, yep. Yeah. But we should probably confirm that it was Jeff. Do you know that? Who was last week? Electric Egypt? It yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And the one before that, I can't remember the name. But. Yeah. And then there's also t-shirts. I do have some classic Grammarica tees. I do have a picture on Instagram as well uh, there to show. 
And those are the gray Moai style t-shirts that we're asking for a donation of 25 or more, which just does really just covers the cost and a little bit. That's a little right. bit extra there. Uh, yeah, you can leave a voicemail. Send send us packages to the PO box if you want. The voicemail is I think there's a button on the website or you can go uh what is it? Fucking <clears throat> speakpipe.com slash America. Yeah, there's probably a link in the show notes to all this stuff. Probably. Probably. I mean, I think the SpeakPipe link is in there. I'm not sure if that is, but everything else is in the show notes. Yeah, so you can do a couple swipes away from Graham does pretty intensive show notes, better than most shows out there, so you can just like kind of click here, click there, two clicks probably on depending on what you're using, and you can be supporting the show in one way or another. Yeah, because we don't have any ads Whether it's either. email, tweeting, monetary, stories. I mean, just if you don't have the cash, just sending us a story helps us... Uh, yeah. Helps us with content. I got a good one. Yeah? Yeah. A synchro? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Want me to go? Do you got a jungle? Um, I was going somewhere. About the ads, because we don't play any ads and we don't want to do a paywall and all that. So all our content is free. No, that's not where I was going. That wasn't where you were going? Where were we right before that? Voicemail, speak pipe. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Tell your friends about the show anyway. <laughs> Sign people up for the newsletter. America.ca slash news. Oh, so I was going to say, speaking of fucking a couple of swipes, I've been, uh, I've heard a lot about Overcast. So I've been playing around with my pod player because I've been, since almost the, I got into podcasting, I've been using Eyecatcher. Yeah. I never even ever really used the native one. I went straight to Eyecatcher almost right out of the gate. But I've been playing around, so I've been trying Overcast because I heard about it here, there. I heard about a few places now, and it's free. It's uh, optional. They do value for value like us. So they have like three different platforms per month. You can or whatever you can sign up for voluntarily. Hmm. Um, and it's... it's uh, it's worth checking out. You should download it. It's free. Try just throw a couple shows on it. Start listening to one podcast on it. Why, but I'm, but I'm totally fine with Eyecatcher. Like, why do I even need to? to I don't know because you try. listen to a lot of those shitty quality shows. So it's got a couple of those, like a couple features, like it'll cut out silence. So it'll, it's smart speed up. So instead of actually speeding up people's talking, it'll cut out any pauses. Or you can amplify. There's different options in there to EQ the voices. You can EQ it if you if the. Um, I don't really like. I'm not fine audio. with the audio. Yeah, yeah. I don't like okay. this type of change. No apps and stuff, and figuring out how to use a new one. Yeah, you're like the, you your generational die-offs. <laughs> <laughs> Make way for the innovators. Not soon enough. Make way for the millenniums. Millennials, um, millennials, millennium falcons. Um, <clears throat> I I don't know. I'm constantly looking for better versions of everything. Yeah, no, I mean things I, that work I'm better. Okay. I just I'm, I'm so still always looking it. for a good email client. I haven't found one that really stands out. Emails are tough. That's one of the most time consuming parts of the show is trying to manage the emails. That's right. Yeah, and the website. We need more bloggers. All the oh, bloggers are taking I just forwarded you a new blogger. Yeah, I've seen that. Actually, it was Andrew, the guy we just let his, read his was letter. It? it was Lemassini, yeah. Oh, he's the Baron? Yeah. 
the Baron with the headband. Yeah. Send some headband. Um, yeah, so we'll put up, but yeah, blogs, bloggers would help too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. More con- Generates more content for the website because we uh, were too lazy. <laughs> so what do you got for me, buddy? I got a, I got an a story a slash synchronicity. Which I'll let you pick. Synchronicity. Oh, uh, take me down. Mother of fuck. Where's the fucking... Yeah, good job there, Jingle Man. I want a good skull for my synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Daramai give it to me. Jingle Man? Did you call me Jingle Man? Wow. Why would you call me Jingle Man? Because I'm the Jingle Man? But you said it like almost in a derogatory sense. It was at that point. <laughs> Is that a slur or something? You jingling bastard. So this is a synchronicity report. And this is from a listener, U- Ulysses Ulysses Newcomb. He says, sounds familiar. Yeah, right? yeah. You've probably seen him on social media and stuff. Twitter, I think. Yeah, he's on Instagram quite a bit. So he says, a little background on this will help. First... I manage a large apartment building with lots of common space where tenants meet and hang out. Second, I'm a practicing magician. Third, I recently reconfigured my altar to include Bastet, that's an Egyptian goddess, and a half-human, half-lizard spirit god whose name I do not know, nor have I ever encountered this type of spirit in any of the books I've read. My first encounter with the image of this god was in meditation near a stream in Squamish, B.C., I just spontaneously saw this image and I drew it so as not to forget it. And he provided me a link to the image. I figured it might make it into a t-shirt someday. I played with the image a little bit here and there. And of some sort of amused fascination, I created a Photoshop version and came up with this. And he sent me another link. Anyways, this all started about four and a half years ago, leading up to early June of 2016 when I started, when I decided to rejig my altar. This altar change was mainly prompted by reading Gordon White's Chaos Protocols. Actually, Gordon White uh, was on the show. It was a great episode. I'll link to that in the show notes. I felt an itch to change things for a while, and reading the book inspired me. After about a week of careful consideration and reading tarot cards to see what may result from it, I decided to print out the photoshopped image of the lizard and frame it in a tiny frame to place it on the left side of my altar opposite Bastet, along with a few other items such as tarot cards and jewelry. My routine routine then became to keep fresh flowers and purified water on the altar and burn candles regularly and incense to the spirits. I would pray to Bastet, offering her gifts, and then pray to the stranger on my left, making a wish to have him reveal himself and his name. It seemed awkward that I was praying to an unknown spirit with no name there were things happening over the last six weeks minor poltergeist effects life going more smoothly in general my demeanor became more poised patient and calm which is enough of a result for me to keep at it but about a week ago i read my horoscope as written by austin Kopic. you really should have him on the show by the way and a few others 
As a result, I wrote in my iPhone calendar to expect good news on Tuesday the 19th, which was the day of the full moon. On Tuesday morning, some tenants came to my office with an issue. They had found a lizard in the parkade. A full-grown bearded dragon. Our apartment building does not allow pets, so I had to find a home for this gorgeous creature. It was pale and lethargic, but otherwise in good shape. We called the SPCA, SPCA, but they said they would only pick up the animal if we filed an invasive species report. We knew that probably meant they would kill the lizard. Not an acceptable option. I texted a former staff who keeps reptiles as a hobby, but he could not take the lizard in for lack of space. I put up two Craigslist ads in the hopes of finding the owner. And then it struck me that a tenant who moved out about three weeks prior had been found to have a lizard in his unit only two years ago. About two years ago. There's a long list of reasons why this particular tenant being at the center of this is its own synchronicity, but I have not at liberty to go into details. Lizards, not being stinky or noisy animal, did not, nor did this type of animal impose a threat of carrying bud, bed bugs or fleas. I gave the tenant a mild warning and forgot about it. But Tuesday, I realized this may be the tenant's lizard who escaped during the move. So I texted the guy who confirmed my thought and planned to pick up a lizard a few hours later. So we just had to keep the lizard alive a few hours. This was getting better. We put it in the sauna at the recommended temperature and put blueberries and cucumbers in his box as well as a cup of water. As soon as the initial stress of the event subsided, I was able to go and enjoy the animal's presence and let myself completely realize what was really happening here. I took a second to admire the creature and then said with all my intent, I love you. At which point the lizard immediately lunged towards me at the edge of the box. I hand-fed him some, some cucumber and started rubbing his chin and his head. He climbed up onto me and enjoyed the warmth of my body. Gradually, over the next two hours, all his beautiful colors came back. And then he sent, the, sent more images of him and the lizard. The tenants involved in helping me with his rescue named him Misty, but the owner had named him Biggs. So I personally named him Big Misty. <laughs> because I cannot think of a better or more appropriate name for the stranger to my left. I certainly did not get good news on Tuesday. Oh, I certainly did get good news on Tuesday. I would feel honored if you share the story on your podcast, and I am certain Big Misty would be proud if you did so. Best of luck with your life, Ulysses. The lizard synchro. Yeah. That's, uh... I'll throw some uh, pic those pics on Instagram, too. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. He was uh, praying for the lizard to come and show him his name and all that, and then <laughs> this one shows up. It looks kind of similar, too. Hmm. Kind of Dorsey. Dorsey, yeah. Uh, I'll give it an eight. Oh, that's... A lizard eight. That's a good one. Good thing the mixer doesn't affect the mix. Yeah, there's a couple other pictures from. Uh, we got so quite a. We got that I want to put in Instagram for yeah, listeners. Yeah, we've got quite a bit of art lately. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. One day we'll turn it all into T-shirts or something. Yeah, maybe. So thanks, Ulysses. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. You should you should get them all tattooed. All the different art pieces. We'll start some sleeves for you. No, oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I don't think so. No? 
Yeah. Do you have any tattoos? No. Maybe. I've always wanted one, but now I'm thinking maybe I'd just be the different guy without one. Get a Grand America tattoo on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Grand America. Yeah. So uh, it's been interesting lately, all the uh, the news and all the weather going on. Weather? Are you going to talk about the hail seating? Yeah. Okay. So, well, I got an email from a listener the same day as uh, as you sent me a picture of the local. Because usually, so do you want to just do the last? Yeah. Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. An all-in believer in chemtrails. So, I'd rather have the Kate Bush jingle. So you got. So I got an email, but the same day you sent me that. Uh, front page of the Calgary Sun. Yeah, front page of the Calgary Sun. That the hail suppressing planes are busier than usual. Yeah, yeah. Alberta storm busting pilots are having one of their busiest years ever. So if you don't mind, I'd like to read this because I think this is fascinating. You found it online. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that that this really becoming, I don't know, mainstream news and stuff. That there's actually like storm modification and and weather modification going on, right? Pilots flying and dropping shit through the clouds, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's 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 good. It's coming out and people are talking about it. Do you think it's like uh malevolent or do you think it's just no nobody cares? No, well, I'll get to that. Okay. I think this article and this like what we're doing locally could be just malevol- malevolent. No. Benevolent. Nobody cares. Benevolent like it's just yeah. you know they want to stop the hill from fucking shit up. But they're drop they're but they're spraying chemicals, right? Is it chemicals or steel or something? Steel well. Will you go ahead and read the article? Okay, so so Alberta's hail busting pilots have had one of their busiest summers yet, tackling an average of three storms per day. And this is very relevant for the show with Cliff High, because he was talking about these popcorn storms, right? And he's talking about how they're happening now and they're gonna keep happening. And what do you see through Calgary? Like it's all these fucking popcorn storms, right? Like every day for how a month or two, it's storms in the afternoon. Weird cloudy storms that you can see from miles away. Yeah, it's been stormy as fuck. But they're all like little isolated little like a couple big ones, but mostly little ones. Yeah. So the Alberta Severe Weather Management Society's team of 11 pilots aided by three meteorologists on the ground fly directly into the fiercest storm cells to break up hail. Their efforts often save Albertans and their insurance companies from dealing with the havoc wrecked by the most threatening storms. The Hail Suppression Project cannot eliminate hail, but the goal is to reduce the damage that could occur, said Program Director Terry Naus. Hail forms when small ice particles held aloft for a long time, allowing them to grow. They fall to earth either when the updraft holding it there weakens, the hailstone becomes too heavy or it moves into a downdraft. In southern Alberta, that can lead to hailstones the size of golf balls, like the ones that caused millions of damage in Calgary in 2012. And this summer, the province farmers were on track to break the record set for crop insurance claims in 2012. Since 1996, the ASWMS has been trying to prevent this through a process called cloud seeding. Pilots taking off from this airport in the middle of storm cells and fire off silver iodide flares, which prevent the hail from growing. Over the last five years, insurance paid out nearly $2 billion in claims from hail damage, the Bureau of Canada estimates. Meanwhile, the insurance industry invests about $6 million in the hail suppression project per year. 
So they say it's hard to judge, you know, how much money Alberta Severe Weather Management Society, which contracts the U.S.-based Weather Modification Inc. for the seating. Weather Modification Inc.? <laughs> I got to look that one up. That's the name of the company. <laughs> yeah. There's something making note of that. Hmm. And then it says, uh, what does it say here? He says, they say it saves insurers, but radar imaging shows that the process is effective at diminishing the intensity of the storms, reducing the hail damage by only a few percent more than pays for the program. And the team is cer certainly working. He says the, uh, the team's five planes have spent over 220 hours in the air so far this summer, seeding 69 storms in 23 days. Oh, look at I'm at the website. They got all sorts of shit going on, mostly in the States. In Canada, they've got the Alberta Hail Suppression Project. <laughs> oh, yeah. So their clients are the Alberta Hail Suppression Project. Their other clients are British Columbia Hydro and Power Authority, Saskatchewan Natural Hydrology Research Agency, National Hydrology. Hmm. Weathermodification.com. Hmm. That's their website. Wow. What do they do in the States? Services. Weather Modification Inc. has a wide range of services to provide knowledge, data, equipment, and capability at any phase in your project. We can also tailor a program to meet your specific objectives and manage it from beginning to end. Wow. Our talented scientists, researchers, project managers, technicians, and pilots have the expertise you need to carry out an efficient and effective weather program. Wow. Crazy. That doesn't <laughs> affect global warming or does it? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say that, eh? So can you, can you make money off that? Buying oh, weather sure. derivatives? I don't know. I got I to gotta tell you, talk to you about that. There's aerial cloud seeding and ground-based cloud seeding. That's like Kate Bush-style cloud busting. Oh, look at these planes of theirs, spray planes. Really? Yeah. Do they look like chemtrail planes? Wow, they got a whole fleet? Yeah. So they have uh, increasing precipitation cloud seeding, mitigating hail da damage, and dispensing fog. Wow. Yeah. So that leads me to an email from one of our listeners. Let me find this one here. This is from uh, Peter Commodore. He says, hey, Graham, you may wish to use this as ammunition in your ongoing war with Darren on chemtrails. And he crossed out chemtrails and put weather modification <laughs> with a wink. Chemtrails. <laughs> and he says, uh, minister leaves the door open on new probe into Hydro Tasmania's cloud seeding program. So it says the Tasmanian government is not ruling out an independent inquiry into Hydro-Tasmania's cloud seeding operation. So they're saying a cloud seeding flight took place in the Derwent Valley in June, the day before a major flooding event. So everybody's all up in arms about it. And they did their own, the people like the hydro company that does all this, did their own, own investigation into it. And now everybody's upset because they did their own investigation and the, the Tasmanian government wants to... Um, do an independent inquiry into it. Nice. Pretty interesting. 
And then from that, they also talk about, uh, I got this other one here. Forget tornadoes, rain bombs are the latest trending warfare weapons. I mean, and this could make sense. Why? Like there's flash floods going on all over right now, right? You're hearing about it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know, speculate too much, but it's interesting. So it says... It's already uh, dead. Insurance company concerns, weather wars. In 2008, the CFTC requests public input on possible regulation of event contracts. So it says, now where there are weather and earth-shaking technologies, or some circles call these weather and electromagnetic weapons used insidiously, unfortunately, by our military or intelligence apparatus and perhaps our military contractors for purposes contrary to that which our public services take their oath of office to the Constitution. I suggest prohibiting the use of that technology rather than leaving someone else holding the bag in the event destruction produced by and where so-called natural events were produced by military contractor technology in the guise of Mother Nature. So... It links to this insurance company document about weather, weather modification. And it talks about, uh, I wanted to get to a couple of specific things here just to highlight it. It's, it's like a 35-page insurance document. And it talks about, um, well, it also has that weather as a force multiplier, owning the weather in 2025. You hear about that from the U.S. military industrial complex. And then... Um, but it does have a summary here. Where was it? Hmm. Two key technologies are necessary to meld an integrated, comprehensive, responsive, precise, and effective weather modification system. It says advances in science are, of chaos are critical to this endeavor. Also key to the feasibility of such a system is the ability to model the extremely complex nonlinear system of global weather in ways that can accurately predict the outcome of changes in the influencing variables. So it goes on to say advances in these two areas would make it feasible to affect regional weather patterns by making small continuous nudges to one or more influencing factors. Conceivably, with enough lead time in the right conditions, you could get made-to-order weather. Don't point at me. The, two weather, the total weather modification process would be real-time loop of continuous, appropriate, measured interventions and feedback capable of producing desired weather behavior. That's what weather modification experts do. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should get some... We should modify some weather. I don't want to modify it. Let's I want make there, it do, rain. They should just be fucking Let's leaving the rain. weather alone. Let's make it rain. How can people... Just one time. Let's see how much it costs. Just make it rain. You want to just contact those guys and say we want to make it rain? Yeah. Like there's a drought going on. Can we make it rain? Or can yeah. you make the fucking clouds stop in Calgary? Like if you're, you know, well, already are they someone. nudging it we over to us? We should see if we us? can interview someone from the hail suppression team. We should. Yeah. You can fucking berate them. Just I'll just, I'll just save finish. a night rider from getting the shit kicked out of it. I'll just finish off this, uh, this paragraph in this thing here. The essential ingredient of the weather modification system is, is the set of intervention techniques used to modify the weather. The number of specific intervention methodologies is limited only by the imagination. 
but with few exceptions, they involve infusing either energy or chemicals into the meteorological process in the right way at the right place and time. The intervention could be designed to modify the weather in a number of ways, such as influencing clouds and precipitation, storm intensity, climate space, or fog. I just, it's fascinating to me. Clearly. Clearly. I mean, this is where, this is where, like, all these conspiracy theorists are getting... Mixed up. Well, they're talking about nanoparticles and ground-based ionospheric mirrors, artificial mirrors in the ionosphere, space weather modification. This is an insurance document. Really? Yeah. You just... You should print it. I will. I'll put it up in the studio. Yeah. While you're reading. I'll put it on my toilet. Nanotechnology also also offers possibilities for creating simulated weather, a cloud or several clouds of microscopic microscopic computer particles, all communicating with each other with a larger control system and provide tremendous capability. Could provide... A nano-hurricane? For instance, virtual weather could be created by influencing the weather information received by an end user. No, that seems (laughs) far-fetched. <laughs> interconnected atmospherically buoyant and having navigation capability in three dimensions such clouds could be designed to have a wide range of properties even if power levels achieved were insufficient to be an effective strike weapon and then it says in brackets if power levels were sufficient they would be an effective strike weapon the potential for psychological operations in many situations could be fantastic One major advantage of using simulated weather to achieve a desired effect is that unlike other approaches, it makes what are otherwise the results of deliberate actions appear to be the consequence of natural weather phenomena. There you go. Those fuckers. In addition, it is potentially relatively inexpensive to do so. Just like the CIA director said, it's only, what, two billion a year to fuck with the whole globe. That's nothing. So then, money well spent. So then, in that in that thing, it also says disaster capitalism, weather derivatives, slowly slowly began trading over the counter in 1997, betting on bad weather. Weather derivatives are financial instruments that can be used by organizations or individuals as part of a risk management strategy to reduce risk associated with adverse or unexpected weather conditions. And they got a whole bunch of like, they're using HDDs, which is heating degree days, or CDDs, which are cooling degree days. Uh, I mean, it, this is ridiculous. Like, there's a there's a whole history of the first weather derivative was was in July 1996. You can bet on the weather. Yes. So who's fucking betting on the weather and getting those guys to fucking make it rain or make it sun? Now we're talking. We're right? bet on the weather. Let's bet on the weather and, and flood out some towns. Yeah, flash flood, Over rain the, bomb, yeah. and bet <laughs> on the rain. We're in. Oh man, I like it. Where we should pick a town. What town are we gonna fuck up? We'll take suggestions. Email your suggestions to Graham. The CME currently lists weather derivative contracts for 25 cities in the United States, 11 in Europe, 6 in Canada, 3 in Australia, and 3 in Japan. Most of these financial instruments track cooling degree days or heating degree days. But other products, products, 
Can you believe it? Products. A financial fucking derivative or short. Tracks snowfall and rainfall at 10 separate U.S. locations. The CMA Hurricane Index, an innovation developed by the the reinsurance industry provides contracts that are based on a formula derived from wind speed and radius of names, name storms to the point of U.S. landfall. You can bet on hurricanes and just, just nudge it a little bit over there. <laughs> How do we get in on the racket? I don't want to get in on the racket. Why not? If there's a racket, there's a racket. <laughs> you might as well be in on it. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go, buddy. There's my segment. Interesting, like eh? This is a better one. This is the best one yet. Oh, it's fun, eh? Yeah. It's crazy. Not, all the other ones are not fun. This is the first one that was Hey, fun. I'm getting good feedback from listeners. They like it, the weather one segment. You. Hey, it started with the 78 Senate report. I get more good right? feedback on the jingle than the segment. Right. Anyways. That was a fun one. Keep getting coming like that. Well, it's just, doesn't it, doesn't it bother you that there's this it whole... It did, but not like 10 episodes in a row bothers. I skip, This thing really it's gets It's every you. third this episode thing or something. really gets I have a fascination with yeah. weather modification. That's how we should and make it rain. I swear it stems from then Kate you can Bush's be like, video in When people argue with you, you can be like, listen, motherfucker, I modified the weather. Okay? <laughs> and I won money on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or you could maybe go for a ride in the hail seating plane. Yeah. That sounds like way too much liability, flying civilians in a storm. So the other thing is, what is the chemicals, what is what is that doing to not only our atmosphere, but our environment? Like, who's over, where's the oversight on this worldwide global weather modification program? I can't tell you that, but we should, you should email them. I bet you they'd happily send someone. Don't start getting all rammy with them, all grammy right off the bat. Send them a nice email, say you were interested in the technology. Come on the show. All right. Like you fucking cloud seeding fucking Satanist <laughs> prick. <laughs> it's just, I, I just think we should just leave it all alone. Leave the weather alone. Maybe they'll take you on just a plane ride. Stop. Oh, the other, the you other could thing go is? See, you could go see the cloud. Yeah. yeah. No? Mm-mm. I I look at that the same as a racket. If the clouds are getting seeded anyway, you might as well go for a ride. Right on. Well, that's that, buddy. That's that? That's yeah. the end of the segment? And, I, and I, I have a new one already lined up. I just thought of something, too, that I oh, forgot boy. to talk about in this segment. So Perfect. I'll save it for the next one. Nice. Anything else? No, I've got some more listeners stuff, but I'll save it for Tuesday. we got to do another intro in a few days here, so... Yeah, perfect. Right before I go. Before you go ball hockey in? Yeah. In the over 50 league? It's not over 50. It's over 36. <laughs> Are you even 30? You couldn't even play. <laughs> I couldn't even play. <laughs> I'd be your youngest guy. Not your fastest. Wow. Or your most agile. Or any of anything. Yeah, it'll be fun. We're playing against Ontario and Saskatchewan and Alberta. I hope your injury is light, but my psychic powers are for serious. Yeah, I won't be getting injured. No? No. You heard it here her first, folks. Yeah. All right, guys, enjoy this. I wonder, what Cliff, quarter? I wonder what Cliff thinks. Yeah. We should ask Cliff no. if Graham gets no, hurt at never ball ask, hockey. Never ask about personal. Going deep. Especially not ball hockey. It's a profound UFO quote mm. of the week. 
Let's ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. Oh, I love that jingle. Dun, dun. So this is uh, a just real quick one. This is the UFO quote. My favorite part. Oh. Air Force. Air Force. I think they fucking picked that up. Air Force interceptors still pursue pursue UFOs as a matter of national security to this country and to determine technical aspects involved. Mm. That was from Major General Joe W. Kelly, nineteen fifty seven. Major Major Joe. Yeah. Nineteen fifty seven. Nineteen fifty seven. I think that was like the last year America had. That's that's a. I was looking at a chart today for something. I think it was the decline in growth of the U.S. economy, or it's like just uh, oh. it was fifty-seven was like the peak. Forty-nine to fifty-seven was like boom, yeah. boom, yeah. and sometimes I feel like we we're just born in the wrong era. We were born in the broke era. Fucking yeah, run, but runaway capitalism. Yeah, but the connected, interesting era. I mean, things yeah, are pretty true. interesting. That's you right. You, you have chase the potential. Pokemon of all over the fucking place. Yeah. Have you tried it yet? If I tried it, yet, no. No. But he lost twenty five pounds. Come on, that's just ridiculous. He that's just fucking all. media bullshit propaganda. Oh yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Pikachu. Pikachu. Right, I mean, not that I'm not saying he didn't lose it, but it's just ridiculous story. I know. Like, oh, I'll get Pokemon, I'll lose weight. Everyone's always talking about how it gets everyone outside. It's like, well, you know what? Maybe baseball should get them outside. Or, or how about just something. the sunshine, walking around, fresh air. Sun's pretty hard on you. No, it's not as yeah, hard you white, as you think. You white boys get it's hard as hard as you think. Yeah. It's actually good for you. I know it is good for me. I'm solar-powered. Indians are solar powered. You didn't know that? Are you a sun gazer? A breatharian? A breatharian? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. You should have a breatharian on. I was trying to a while yeah. back. Do yeah. you remember? But you weren't really digging it. No, because it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, we will run out of things to talk about in about three minutes. Once she says her spiel, there's like, a, what else do you say to that? There's science behind it, man. No You're sun. supposed to look no. at the sun without sunglasses. You need the UVA and the UVB. I was just listening to it tonight on one of my new favorite podcasts. You're not a plant. No, 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 I'm serious. You need deep food. No, no, I know that. I'm just saying the sun is better than they think, right? Like it doesn't... I don't think the sun's bad for you, but I think you need to eat food. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, let's agree to agree on that. Okay. All right, guys, enjoy the chat with Cliff. Uh, it's a good
right, today we have Cliff High with us. Now, Cliff's created these uh, future forecasts via radical predictive linguistics. It's a bit of a mouthful. I'm not going to try and describe it uh, much more past that because we want Cliff to Cliff to talk about it. But we've uh, we've chatted with him with uh, about him with some of our listeners, and um, we finally connected with Cliff. And it's good to have you here, Cliff. Thanks for coming on. Sure, no worries at all. Thank you much. Yeah, I guess um, it's it's kind of complex what what you do, and I've been listening to some of your your videos and and reading some of your reports. It's pretty fascinating pretty fascinating stuff so i think it's probably worth trying to uh to describe the process that you do here um to get your you know your predictions and stuff like that and try and sort of dumb, um, dumb sure. it down dumb it down for me a little bit uh well there's actually nothing in it that's um uh, particularly complicated it's just complex there's just a lot of moving parts yeah, right yeah and and basically what we do is we operate on the assumption that all the humans are out there walking around and they're leaking out psychic impressions all the time and mostly they just don't know okay and and that a lot of these psychic impressions are uh, leaked out via their choice of language and i can prove mathematically to people that uh, this is the case and we can even demonstrate it easily enough with individual cases but basically what happens is um, say that you knew uh, you were a native English speaker and you had 100,000 words internalized. That is, you knew the meaning of them, you were comfortable using them to some degree and so on. Yeah. In the, in, in the normal course of your work, you might only, in your daily life, in any given week, you might only use, say, um, two to 3,000 of those 100,000 words just in native business. And so what, what, what I did was years ago discovered that when people leaked out their psychic impressions, they would do it by one method was by um, uh, what I call reaching or, or reaching way into their internal lexicon and pulling out words they wouldn't normally use. Hmm. And they didn't know, didn't know why they were doing it. They couldn't, if you, if you caught them doing it and asked them, well, why'd you choose that word? They'd get, you know, this sort of like puzzled look on their face because they really didn't know. And so I started really tracking this down and basically to, to sum it all up, what my software does is it goes on out and uh, gathers up all of these changes and these exceptional uh, reaches within the lexicons uh, for people for language, and then it plots it all in a in a big um, uh, thing I call model space, a big uh, canvas, if you will, mm -hmm. virtual canvas, and then uh, we make predictions based on uh, these psychic leaks that are coming out. Sort of makes sense. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Before I read that... It almost seems like a hundred monkey sort of situation right off the bat, right? It it does. And actually, the there's a component to it in the sense that because we're unaware of this, <laughs> that's the hundred and one mon mon monkey there. We just don't know we're doing it, right? So there is there is an aspect of universe intruding because we don't know what prompts us to make these uh, changes ahead of events, but they do actually occur. So, in other words, you, you, you'll know at some level, Most almost all people will know uh, at some level those events that are going to affect them personally. And a lot of people are just too tied up in their daily life to pay attention to these odd little feelings that they get, right? Uh, but some people do become aware of those feelings and then they'll note, oh, oh, you know, my left toe twitched and, and you know, so-and-so the ice cream man showed up, therefore there's this link, that kind of thing. But but mostly we don't. So there's a real component of a serendipitous universe involved. I like that. See, right off the bat, this is making me think, and this could be completely off base, but um, 
it, how would that relate to like the Mandela effect? Because when we st- when you, we started talking about that, I started thinking about the Berenstein Bears has been a big one around here lately. And is there, sure, is there any sort sure. of tie-in in be- between those two? Y- yes, there is. Um, we've got to be real careful there, though, because of the nature of what it is to be human and our brains. We have to understand that our uh, biology is set up for us to be pattern-matching uh, creatures. You know, as you walk through the forest, your eyes start, even though, though you've never seen these kind of trees, this kind of forest before, within a few minutes, your brain starts recognizing and, and formulating patterns to keep your butt alive in this strange environment. And so we have that that pattern matching effect going on, and we will tend to see patterns where they don't exist. So that's one caveat. The other caveat is that I don't want to really um, get too deep into that particular uh, time wobble or wrinkle uh, at the moment because of some stuff that's pending in my reports about that subject at a peripheral level. And I don't want to set up a situation of, of like um, uh, blowing the, the maturity or, or I don't want to set it up so that I mentioned something and then later on it actually shows up and, and someone can come on back and say, oh, well, the, it occurred because you mentioned it. Yeah, but, yeah. But I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I will say that there is indeed, uh, there is evidence uh, that can be pointed to uh, at a physical, tangible, go over there and touch it kind of level that proves that the effect is valid. It may not be as widespread as many people believe, but nonetheless, at its core, just like the UFOs, it only takes one instance and you've got a valid phenomenon. Right. It's so interesting because when I was started to listen to your reports and, and, um, and your YouTube videos, I hadn't yet learned about your process. So I was, and I was actually thinking, it seemed like you were picking up on people's subconscious psychic tendencies or, or something like that. And then I realized that that's what you were actually doing. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, do you have any, any, just for people that might think this is a little bit out there or whatever, do you have any good evidence or instances where this was really playing, playing out properly and correctly and... Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Last, uh, today is the 16th. And so on the last two Thursdays, so on the 14th, two Mm -hmm. days ago, Mm -hmm. and on on the previous Thursday, on the 7th, I did videos referencing a uh, forecast that came out of our data that was going to happen in the late afternoon relative to the New York markets. It was going to be a a cause of some consternation for the trading community over the weekend. It was going to be something that was unknown in terms of its origin. I mean, we didn't have the descriptor of it. We just knew what its effects would be. And so I was able to describe that on the 7th. And then I did another video on the uh, 14th because I realized I was off by seven days relative to the uh, forecast. The forecast was for a Friday late in the afternoon relative to New York markets, which makes it around 1.30 uh, p.m. ish. And that's when the turkey coup came about, this little brief little uh, theater that they've had there. And it had all of the effects described. So I was able to describe it in two videos, uh, one a week and a day ahead of time, and then the other a day ahead of time. Hmm. So so how does it how does it work then? Do you, do you run this once a month, this kind of thing? Um, yeah, yeah. Basically, my software was written in um, the dark ages of computing, where we didn't have a lot of uh, either processing power or storage, and it's very intensive on both. So I had to do it in a batch process. So I, I've never, ever 
altered the process to make it continuous, uh, nor, nor would I have the technical resources to maintain that. That would require people and all kinds of stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I basically run it um, over the course of about 20 plus days a month uh, to produce a report. And then we rush like hell to get the report out before this stuff actually happens. Right. Because, <laughs> because, because the, uh, uh, I was able to way back when slice and dice, um, the information coming in to the data sets into long-term data, short-term data and immediacy data. And the one that had all the details was the immediacy data. It's usually effective from about three days out to about the end of the third week and mostly it's effective within those three days. So we, when we start interpreting that, we've got to really rush to get the report out before the stuff actually starts happening. All right. And, and you do see it happening most of the time, most every month? Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the accuracy rate's going up um, uh, over time because I've been spending the time to uh, what I call tune the lexicon. And it's not like there's um, an instrument or a, you know, a, a musical instrument or anything. It's actually I go on in and tweak around in the database and the code and establish software uh, algorithmic relationships and uh, fine-tune these uh, numbers which represent quantity and quality of emotions attached to words. I was going to ask you about the emotional part. So how does that play into the, to the report? That's ex- it's all emotional. Oh, okay. uh, so not. Okay, so we don't get any conscious words. So in other words, if you're out there thinking, um, if you're a real psychic individual and and you're chatting with your Aunt Mary on uh, Facebook or something and you type in there, geez, I got a funny feeling that, you know, um, uh, so-and-so, you know, some famous personality or whatever is going to uh, get hit on the head by an apple dropped off an airplane, uh, (laughs) we we don't pick that kind of stuff up. What we actually end up doing is a hunt for shifts in emotional um, valences, emotional values, okay? So what I'm looking for in the data sets is a shift in emotional intensity and duration and other um, values that are assigned to words. When those occur, then I go back and look at the context in which that um, was associated. Then I pick up that um, value out of the lexicon, find those words that are associated with it, link it to the context and make the forecast. It sounds simple, but it's hugely complicated. That doesn't sound simple to me. It doesn't sound simple. <laughs> so, well, well, it sounds simple when I say it. Yeah. <laughs> so is the software basically, are people, do they have to knowingly take part or is the software just sort of no, no, creeping no, no. through the internet? It's there pretty, you go. Yeah, it's, spider it's, a, it's a sneaky thing, right? It's a sneaky spider that runs out um, and eats uh, web pages all the time. I don't uh, care about who says what, so we don't. We don't ever save any information about any individual. We save information about the context in which the conversation occurred and the valences of the um, emotional parameters involved. And that's really about it. It amounts to a huge amount of um, hexadecimal digits for each conversation that we sample. And then we sample like, uh, I think we're up to about 120 million for every run, most of which get discarded because most of which are of no value to us. So it's kind of like what we end up having to do is to scoop up vast quantities of text and then distill it down to a thick syrupy mass. So no individual could ever be uh, traced out of that thick syrupy mass. And what we end up getting is, if you will, an aggregate uh, zeitgeist, uh, uh, an emotional um, feeling of the moment, very uh, zen kind of a thing. So it's basically a barometer for the emotional state of the planet? Of that I am able to sample, correct. I wouldn't go so far as to say the whole planet. because right, yeah, the I'm, sample of it, yeah. 
Correct. Yeah. Correct. But but yes, that's that's very accurate. So how how do you take into account the media, the, the media that pro, the mainstream media that sort of propagates all this stuff that leaves a lot of um, the fact out of the the view? Like they they kind of have an agenda, and and is some of your analysis based on on that, or is it based on the deeper parts of the conversation no. behind the scenes? See, it doesn't um, it doesn't work that way at all because it's not an analysis as one might think. Okay, mm-hmm. so so because the media, I've often had people say, "Oh, well, you're just picking up conversations about movies or something, or the media and so on." But you have to understand that um, uh, all language can have an emotional uh, quantifier and qualifier put to it because that is the case from a linguistic viewpoint. In any vast quantity of conversation, it's very easy to pick out the um, uh, uh, artificial uh, pumped up uh, text. So whether it's a demagogue trying to whip up a crowd, CNN, or some kid on a rant in his basement, uh, it's easy to follow those uh, linguistic patterns and eliminate them. So it's very easy to eliminate the, the uh, professional media from our conversations here that we scoop up simply because they're following a script. They, it's always within this emotional range. It always has these kind of emotional qualifiers. If they're attempting to gen up something, it always goes this direction. So the algorithms can just scrub that out really easily. And that's what a lot of it is, is just throwing away stuff where it's not pertinent and it would uh, pollute the sample. How does it decide what uh, what's a viable sample? Is it certain keywords? Uh, at an initial stage, beyond that, it's a proprietary algorithm of my own design that delivers the serendipitous aspect of it. Now, the deterministic aspect, any computer programmer could uh, duplicate because in a deterministic run, which I'm able to do, for instance, a deterministic run would be where I would set my spiders to look for a specific kind of an event or occurrence or person that had a high enough level of um, fame or potential to generate a discussion. And that would set the context. And then we would look for the emotional changes within that context. So if I wanted to, if I, if I cared, I could choose a celebrity because they're very high in the uh, emotional uh, words being spoken about them. I could assume that someone, uh, you know, not ourselves, but someone like um, oh, a movie star kind of person would be, I'd be able to track them, right? And then I could figure out in a basic way what is likely in their near-term future just based on the uh, psychic impressions leaking out from all of the people discussing them. Uh, but it, And it's easy to find the celebrity. It's easy to track. But it's difficult to get anything that's accurate because of the high level of, in, of in, uh, emotional intensity doesn't allow for any nuance. So, you know, if everybody thought of somebody positive, you're going to get a very focused kind of a, a misleading view of them, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, because they're kind of put up on a pedestal. Correct, they correct. Can't, they can't be propped. So it's it's almost like it'd be, you need the person to be anonymous, but then you don't have enough people thinking about them to make it relevant. Correct. But there's an interesting occurrence that happens when people's names are and their personalities have, um, you know, public personalities have characteristics that are A, identifiable with them and B, have some meaning in other languages. Uh, so, for instance, let me give you an example. There's this, there's, there's cool kid on the internet. He does YouTube videos. He's an, uh, a, a techie guy, okay? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I came across him because his name meant something in Greek 
that I was following within the database. And so it was, it was, par, it was a, a serendipitous kind of a, an occurrence. And I just happened to be going along, and it, and it pointed me at this guy in terms of a name. And I thought, well, I wonder if there is this person. And I went out on the Internet, and sure enough, there was this guy doing YouTube videos. He had a high enough uh, profile because of his YouTube videos that he sort of showed up in the data. And, and I won't go into the details on that. But in any event, one of the things I saw for him was that, oh, hey, he's going to have a, uh, basically a almost accident at work. He's going to have an almost very serious accident at work involving his foot. <laughs> That's as weird as it sounds, okay? And so I, I just out of the blue, I sent him an email saying, hey, dude, <laughs> you'd better watch out. You're going to have a near miss at work involving your foot. And sure enough, it happened. And it, and it was really scary for him because um, a transformer shorted out and there was electrical arcs that almost hit his foot and the whole thing. And he did a whole series of videos about it. And the only reason it occurred is because of the nature of his last name and its meaning in Greek. And the fact that we, at that point, were just coming through the Greek uh, 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 Cypriot um, uh, bail-in thing. And there was a huge amount of emotional energy all about it, and it focused me towards him. Uh -huh. So you get these... You get these weird situations where where people um, pop into the data, if you will, because of uh, what would seemingly be a random association in terms of their name and what happens to be going on at that time. So that has pretty major implications. Does that mean that time's not linear? Is it going to be something simpler like a ripple stick or like a, a field that projects forward a little bit as well? How far out does it go? Well, Okay. How? Okay. Now you bring up a weird subject, and you and you once you start talking about time, <laughs> um, you can get into this at a at a very significant level. And I've been thinking about this since uh, with real seriousness since about 1993. And so I've got a lot of conclusions about that. And I have to ask first: How much of the next hour do we want to devote <laughs> to that individual subject alone? <laughs> yeah. And I and I'm serious because that's, I can go down. To me, that's that's. I mean, it's tough because they're both super interesting alleyways but i mean i i'd love to go down both of them both as in what what do you mean both both time and and, and the ripple ripple effect right, on the right. names and stuff right well, well let me put it to you this way um as a result of some of the stuff i've done um and the um, uh, level of uh, openness that i've done it with out on the internet and so on because i, I consider myself basically um a tinkerer or a, a builder or a scientist in a sense i want to see what happens i'm not trying to promote a particular theory yeah if yeah. the data data changes i want to find out why because i'm curious in any event i've come to the attention of some people that were fairly prominent and i've actually one of them in our first occurrence he um uh, saved us economically here because we'd run into a big uh, issue, but nonetheless, uh, I did a private run on him, and I was able to determine uh, some information about him to a shocking degree about three and a half weeks out. So that's about mm -hmm. how far that's about how far I would personally trust on our on our previous evidence that sort of uh, information about an individual. Yeah. Now, the other the other side of it is at that time uh, that that occurred, uh, maybe say. 60% uh, of the internet was still English. And the, the English speakers have a tendency to concentrate negative emotions and speech on the on the net. So all I was picking up was negative information about this fellow. So another caveat, you got to be careful what you look for. Mm. Now, the time part of it, that's really interesting because yeah. time... Time is not as everybody uh, presupposes, okay? We think uh, you were just asked, is, is time uh, lineal? No, it's not. Time is drops. 
And that's what people doesn't don't understand. Time is not a river. Uh, time is not a uh, cycle. Time is not a uh, linear progression, although there is progression, cycles, and rivers within time. But time basically uh, comes into existence with every particle that comes into the materium. And the materium is the place where you and I are at this point within our bodies discussing time and space, and the materium is that place that I define where humans can experience time and space. Although I'm not so sure about the um, uh, the space part, I know that time only exists here. There may, may be other, let's call them places, where space exists that time does not. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, nonetheless, though, we experience time within the materium. So we experience material, uh, we experience matter and time in this area. And when when each little droplet of matter is created by a universe, and we live in a you know universe that is continuously creating matter all around us, there was never any such thing as a big bang. The idea is absolutely absurd on so many levels, and and energetically you can prove that it's absurd, uh, just with a couple of quick equations. But the um, we live in a in a continuous creation, continuous destruction environment. And so the universe is constantly creating new matter around us, and every time new matter uh, is created, it brings along with it its ration, if you will, of time. Now, time is interesting because time, unlike space, is is not uh, locally discrete. Uh, it's universally applicable. That is to say, each little droplet of time that comes on in uh, participates in the universal now, the, the uh, uh, perpetual uh, now that exists all over the universe. Uh, space, for instance, which also comes along in the droplets of matter, can be uh, locally different from um, uh, the universe, whereas time is never locally different, although time can be universally effective, which gets into another realm. But, but so, so here's the thing. Your body is composed of uh, bazillions of little tiny intersections of energetic uh, of energy that uh, collide so fast that they form uh, a nexus. This nexus... Um, is perceived by your four senses. You only have four senses. Uh, the four senses in your body as solid, as matter. And it is, it is not solid, and matter is really an illusion. But along with that perception of solidity, we also get the perception of time and space at that particular nexus. So your body is composed of all of these energetic nexus that bring in time uh, uh, with the, the pulse. Um, and so it's constantly creating itself and, and uh, destroying itself, and that, that allows us the uh, perception and the uh, both motion and time. So see, it gets really complicated. Yeah, well, that kind of fits in with why gravity would affect time as well. I like, uh, so I really like where you're talking about creating matter because I had another kind of revelation on the show. Probably one of the guests that has the biggest impact on me so far and how the way I view the world was Neil Adams. And oh, his, sure, I theory, love Neil. His, yeah. his theory of the growing planets and the uh, pair production and that like floored me and as kind of one of the paradigm changing moments of the show. And I can kind of feel another one sort of coming on. <laughs> well, well, Neil is a is a personal hero. I love his uh, graphics and the Expando Earth model uh, owes him a lot because he demonstrates it with such uh, slap you in the face kind of um, vol- <laughs> yeah. validity to it. Right. And he's quite correct about all of that. The uh, plasma core of the planet, the production of matter, all of this kind of stuff can be validated and, and proved if you just can get somebody to sit down and um, you know listen to you for a few minutes. Yeah, that's great. Wow. So, Darren, do you want to do you want to move on to uh, some of the predictions and stuff, or do you want to? Yeah, no. Do you I have think any more I questions think, about time? No, I think the time is good. I think he's. 
it, if he can only go, you know, two to three weeks out, then to me it's not, it's more of a, it's a time travel. Yeah, or it's not a time, it's like a ripple before the stick in the river. It's a ripple yeah, stick. It's, it's, sort of, it's sort of like that. It's, it's limited. Of, it's, it's very limited. Effect. Yeah, yeah. That's Correct. how I look at it. Yeah. I look at it as a stick in the river and that whole thing is being a bit of a field effect as well. It's just a yeah, field effect that can be more visualized because it's in the water. Um. Okay, but you got to be real careful with analogies, okay? Because time is not like a water, and it's not like a river. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you participate in time because if you're not here to participate in it, the quality of time is demonstrably different if you're not there participating in it. And so, uh, it's it it gets down to some really uh, <laughs> serious thinking about it. But here's the thing: uh, as a field. Uh, it's perfectly true on an individual level, about three and a half weeks. That's why I've got my immediacy data set down to uh, the, about to the end of the third week. And I say about because usually it trails off. The majority of it happens within three days, and then it trails off out to that period of time. Mm. And I've determined determined over time, and actually that's where all the details that come on in, the majority of them, about individuals. Uh, but we are able to determine things with the system that are that are several years out and uh, sometimes with striking accuracy and then as the events become closer and closer to us the um, aggregate level of um, data support form grows and the number of details grow and this is how I ended up with the um, blondes on boats forecast uh, about the uh, that boat the um, um, can't think of it now the started with a seat over in Italy the cap correct correct, correct yeah yeah and so uh, we had that pretty much nailed in details five months out. But I first saw it appearing about a year and a half out, and we noted some of the issues about the ocean and the accidents and that kind of stuff. So the, I'm of the opinion, and I can state that this opinion is somewhat uh, evidentially based, that uh, time aggregates and that the, all the little small bits of uh, time that will be part of your body as the new matter is coming into it in the future uh, have an effect on the on our current field and our current consciousness now, even though they won't necessarily be created for, as we perceive it, 18 months out. And it can't really be, you can't, is it is it tougher to aim, I guess? I don't know if aim's the right word, but where, because it seems like it has to be driven by emotion, right? It can't be. Correct. And, you know, you hear the same sort of thing with, uh, in, from the ghost people as well it's like moments of high emotion can kind of leave an imprint a residue. Things like a residue yeah and i wonder yeah. so so does it get if it has to be emotion it, it seems like it's harder to control because you can't just get a room full of people to think about something correct <laughs> so so this is why we have a tendency to a concentrate on all of the um uh, negative things because of course the expression of uh, vast quantities of negative emotion usually or of emotion usually happens for our society in a negative fashion. We don't really have a coordinated um, kinds of things for us to all go and express positive emotion. So so those are really not built in the way that all the negative ones are. Uh, and and you're quite correct. And it, and it is uh, you can't really aim at it. You just sort of have to sort of sit there in the data and sift for it, or wait to have it roll over you. And so the Banda Aceh earthquake was just a horrific time because that year was so bad relative to the data. And then the earthquake happened. Um, so you know, and I realized what was going on. Is the earthquake then a product of the negative thinking? Like if the news That's, started yeah. having positive news, could the yeah. uh, could we manifest could world, more positive? Could, yeah, could the, we manifest a better world? I don't know. 
that certainly is within the It'll realm be a of fun thinking. Test. <laughs> exactly, exactly so, exactly so. I do, I do know that it so is everybody perfectly. Just, yeah, everybody just stop fucking around for like a month. And see what happens. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. See, but, but there's another aspect of it too. Well, there's many more, but the other part of it is uh, you have to ask yourself: Okay, should we do that? In other words, is it necessary that we have this negative thing? Because every person's destiny is their own. Many people must have this destiny in order for their personal progress to, to go from life to life to life. Therefore, they must experience this negative stuff this life. And in fact, they signed up for it. So if we as a greater um, planet decided, okay, we're going to think conscious thoughts and, and not have this particular nasty earthquake happen, then we've actually altered those people's individual destiny into the future. So it gets really tricky. But do you think it was ever meant to be on the scale? Like before your, your misery or your, your negativity would be so much more localized, you'd think it would have to be far less abundant, whereas now every negative thing that happens on the planet is crammed down your throat. But is that not something that universe wants us to understand and accept and deal with now we maybe, we yeah, are not se- is, you, yeah. you know we're, we're not separate from nature we we are so in uh, internally uh, we are the cogs in nature we participate with it uh you know like the Taoists say the um the wise man can sneeze at the appropriate time and and cause an empire to fall a thousand miles away so it's that that interrelated and so uh, you've got to have a grander view that um yeah, just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. But many times, the in, there's the other part of that thinking, and that is because universe has presented that idea to you, mm. you must, right? Just because you can think of that technology, you've got to build it. <laughs> and and who knows? Universe wants you to, you know? Mm. See, it's hard because you can't get the internet back there a hundred or a thousand years ago right. to test. right. But on the other I hand, wonder if you, I could, have, could you do it via like if you could get a sample of, say, a bunch of letters from World War Two or something like that and somehow put them into the scan and get them into the algorithm? Could you could you do anything with something like that? I did that from uh, 1993 until about 1999. In order to establish the system, I needed what I consider to be a clean base of uh, the emotive quantifiers and qualifiers for the lexicon. So as this stuff was coming onto the internet, I was pouring through all of these old newspapers that went back into the 1700s, 1600s. The 1800s were especially fruitful for me in English um, and establishing the meaning of words through the lexicon. And then I updated it as I got into uh, the more current time. And I discovered all kinds of fascinating things about how language evolves over time. But basically, yes, I can do that because that's how I started out. I went through so many newspapers laboriously, um, running, uh, OCRs or, uh, doing cut and paste or retypes or whatever to get the words to be able to be, um, picked up by the spiders and then running them through in order to do the, the, what I called the either reconciliation, the spread tests or some of these others, because you have to understand emotion is not a static thing. Um, a quick and easy, simple thing is if you work in an office, right? Uh, you go on into the office, uh, on a Monday morning, you can feel the emotion of a Monday. Uh, I come on into an office. I don't work in the office. I'm a nice, happy guy. I'm not subjected to all of the fluorescent lights and all of the influences on my body. I can change the mood in, in an office just from the initial interaction with the uh, receptionist person all the way through simply because I know how the emotions are and I 
don't want to necessarily put up with their negative emotions, so I would come on in and start brightening the area up, if you will, right? Because I can know the um, how particular words will uh, help spread emotions and how far that spread can go and so on. I actually ran all these terrible studies. Uh, I called them the propagation studies. That went from like 98 to almost 2002. And I picked out all these forum, uh, fora is the plural of forum, but uh, the forums uh, on the internet. And I would go through and put in particular text in particular uh, phrases and so forth, and then watch and see how long it takes it to spread and how far it would spread to other oh. groups and so on. And it was, you know, it was kind of, um, uh, it was tedious. It was a hell of a lot of work. It was somewhat um, disingenuous of me. I wasn't lying to people, but there were times that I had to do things and and express outrageous uh, thoughts and so on to see what the language would do. So, you know, I was aware I was also tweaking and screwing with people's emotions. And I felt bad about it personally at the time, but it was necessary for me to figure out how far this language would spread and, and how far, how long it would take the intensity to dampen off and so on. I mean, I, dude, (laughs) I worked on this stuff from, uh, like I say, 93 when the idea first grabbed hold of me and I'm still working on it. So, so you, so you needed that for a base, but I guess in a predictive sense is that you, you couldn't like put that into the thing now and like, predict anything Um, valid from it i guess another thing i wouldn't mind knowing is do you notice any sort of bump say when the local sports team is in the finals or something like that i deliberately exclude sports because they're Ah, always hot exactly there's there's no nuance you you always love them or you hate them and so so there's it doesn't work just like politics i mean i could do things i could do things with politics but in order to get the nuance i would have to do i would have to get a hundred million records and maybe i would be left with a third of a million that i could actually deal with yeah, yeah, I, I get that for sure. So I guess you have to keep up on the on the language changing as well, right? Especially for English and social media, like all the abbreviations oh, yeah. now and all the new oh. new words. Like half the time when I'm doing show notes, I'm looking like the stuff I'm writing is not even in the dictionary, right? It's just all, it's all. It like, never what, will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dictionaries are are uh, static and dead by uh, definition. And yes, uh, there and of course. Here's the here's the other uh, uh, excruciating bleeding edge of the whole thing. Slang is where all that emotion leaks out yeah, right. because because it's not your papa's slang, right? Your words don't have the same meaning as those same words did for your father. So it changes on a generational basis, and then within each generation, and then you've got the. Uh, this is why I had to do the propagation studies because I noticed that slang was where the um, uh, really cool stuff I was after uh, really lived uh, in all languages. And, of course, that's all in the, say, sub-20 group, right? And then there's all the subcategories of the 8 to 11-year-olds and all of this sort of thing. But you find that slang is not um, predictable, that a very large percentage of it will drop off. And so maybe when I was doing the propagation studies in the late 90s, I would find areas where new slang words were popping up and they would die within... Oh, 88 minutes and never be seen. And then some would show up and would go for days and days and days and then drop off. Some had legs. And I started working out the algorithms to tell me whether it was meaningful or not. Because uh, part of the problem is someone uses a word, let's just pick a word, shizzle, and nobody knows what it means. You have a particular emotional component to it. It takes you a while to get that emotional um, uh, nuance spread out to the populace as to what that word means. And then even when it comes back to you, that may even alter your original um, uh, emotional input that, that you put onto that word. And then it just propagates out. And so, so there were the propagation studies, there were the analysis studies, and it just... Yes, it was quite tedious to do all of that. I can do, 
I can go back and do some predictive stuff on some language, but there's a, an inherent bias in there that I don't have, and that is I'm not a native speaker of 1830s English, right. so I'm not going to have the native uh, connotations uh, within that uh, that word set, and I won't have the same emotional meaning, and so the predictions would be skewed to my view of reality today. Could it be more... Uh, could it even be be more powerful if you're using a language that allowed for more emotion like Spanish or something like that? Oh, certainly. And also I find that, um, uh, Italian and Latin are the really key ones for, um, uh, timing. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're quite correct. Each language has a, uh, um, let's say a preponderance towards a particular aspect of its, uh, character that it expresses. And so for instance, you know, um, we have the uh, emotional languages of the Italians, French, and the Spanish. We have the cogitative languages of the Northern Europeans, you know, German and so on. We have the uh, amalgamating language, which is English, uh, because it's, it's also emotive, but it's also very technical. And then you have the uh, all different kinds of Asian languages and their influences. There's 140 languages, 150 languages I track you know, through multi-byte things in the Asian groups that uh, feed into Chinese. And so, yeah, they each have a um, an aspect that can be mined. I don't. I'm aware of these. I, I've got a lot of uh, notes on them, but I've never had the wherewithal in terms of uh, staffing, money, or time to tune the system to where it was actually taking advantage of that. Wow, fascinating. I like it. So, Darren, can we get into some of the stuff then, the predictions sure. and all that? Then? Yeah. So, thanks for going through all that, Cliff. I really appreciate the. The depth and the background on, on all that. Some of the listeners appreciated my, uh, I like that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So as far as like the, the massive pr predictions that you've been coming out with lately and all, I'd really like to, uh, and we, we want to give a shout out to Monica, who's one of your, your big fans and she's a listener of ours and she's, she's written me like a million questions for you. So we're going to get through, <laughs> we're going to get through some of them, but, and a lot of them they will be, uh, they'll be just automatically answered. But to start with, uh, with the financial stuff right now and the sort of the central banksters and uh, that kind of leads into Bitcoin and the fall of the dollar and all this kind of stuff. Could you sort of wrap us, wrap us around that whole thing? Uh, it's, sure. it's kind of a big, um, it's kind of a big it's a, question. It's a, it's a big subject, right? But here's the thing. I have found that it helps to think of yourselves to place oneself in a historical context. So in other words, uh, if I have a historical model for the time I'm in, I can behave a certain way. Mm. So if I, if I, as a rational human being, thought I was living in a uh, country that was developing in a Nazi Germany, I would behave in a certain way such that I didn't get scooped up and put into a concentration camp, right? Yeah. And so, so if I were aware of the clues and I could say to myself, aha, these people are starting to go fascist on me, I'd better be careful. I would pursue that way. So, so what I like to do is I like to establish that historical context. And so it helps to have an understanding of the various different kinds of um, history and how they affect the social order that you're involved in at that time. And so at this point, what we can say is, and by way of analogy, is that, that we are in a very interesting period of time that resembles um, some aspects of the 1930s and the 1940s and that we have the depression aspect of it mm -hmm. and we have the uh, potential for fascism uh, developing. But it, that is, in my view, somewhat short-sighted, okay, because it doesn't take our view of history back far enough because I think we're much more akin to the uh, first collapse of the Roman Empire 
and the first um, area era in which they did the major debasement of the denarius and cut it to the point where it was about uh, 15% silver. Because here's the thing. There are, it is true to say that uh, all of the um, uh, views of the social order in terms of, you know, the society start off as uh, chaotic, they go to democratic and ultimately become totalitarian, and then they revolt and become democratic again. All those cycles are all true, but it's also true that a lot of that is driven by the nature of the money and so forth that we are dealing with. So at our core right now, for everybody listening to me, and regardless of our age, all of our problems are relating to the fact that they've destroyed our money. Mm-hmm. They've debased debased it to the point where we are dealing in nothing but tissues and lies, and, and those lies extend from the paper in our hands that we offer to someone to pay for real labor, and uh, all the way up to the society that lives on these tissues of lies supported by the paper. And there's no real solid sound money there. And if you examine the society of America from 1870 to 1910, you find a different character linguistically. The same thing as if you examine the society of America from the 1800s to the 1840s, you find a different character linguistically because we were on a gold standard, a gold coin standard during those period of time. Mm-hmm. And we, we were solid, we were sound, uh, we could conquer the planet, we could conquer the universe. Now we're tenuous and all of our language has entirely changed and it's all because our money is polluted. So let's get down to some of our predictions here. Over this next uh, six months or so, we're going to uh, coalesce into our 1930s, 1940s mindset here in the United States. And I'll, I'll not go into much going out on outside the U.S. simply because I presume your audience is primarily U.S.-based. Um, but um, in the next six months or so, you'll see that the actual turn, the big change is going to be that people are not going to be talking about a recession. They're not going to be talking about a recovery. We're going to start using the D word in the sense that people will actually start talking about the United States being in a depression in spite of what the um, uh, power elite are trying to pump out through the media. Yeah. And now this, this, is, this marks a huge and fundamental uh, change. Uh, the hidden despair that we see in uh, uh, a lot of the generations, not literally not even thinking they have a future, will change over time because we're going to start actually acknowledging and therefore being able to deal with the underlying basis that is our, our problem here, and that is the depression. It'll take us some time to figure out that it's all this bogus paper money and to get rid of the Fed yeah. in order to, to cure ourselves of this. But it starts with being able to um, face reality and speak of it accurately. You'll note that in uh, the three traditions on this planet that have uh, ways in which people can become enlightened, all of them reference and say the very first act of an enlightened being is to call things by their real name. And you've got to, do, you've got to understand that that's why uh, linguists are really annoying bastards, but it's why you should sort of a pay attention to them because a lot of them are indeed linguists because they became enlightened and they cannot call things by inaccurate names anymore. Yeah, it's just not in their nature. And it leads one thing to another because, of course, all earthquakes are related because they're all happening on the same planet. So our particular earthquakes here are going to be individuals that will want to drive us into war. My data sets, in spite of what other people are showing or saying, uh, out on the internet, you'll find a lot of very well-meaning individuals that have a lot of various different methods for saying the central banks are going to take us to war. Now, I agree with that because we've had no global war that did not exist without a central bank. We didn't have World War I until we had a central bank formed in 1912. 
uh, World War II existed because of the central bank. No world war has ever occurred that was not pre-existed um, by a central bank. So they want us to go there because that allows them to expunge all of their crimes and start it all over again. And they're actually de desperately attempting to take us that way, that, that way. But my data sets don't show that that is successful. What it actually shows is a... Um, uh, a race, if you will, between the power elite and the failing of the dollar, because the dollar is what gives them their power. As I frequently point out, who gives a rat's ass about uh, the old lady Hillary Clinton if she didn't have millions of dollars? Who would even pay attention to her? So, you know, that, that kind of thing. Or, or Donald Trump or any of these uh, power elite individuals. Um, and so the issue is that as the money, they're attempting to do a fighting retreat. And it's not going to work. Our data shows that the, uh, there are circumstances that are going to sweep over them. The dollar is going to crumble faster than their um, efforts right. to, uh, to delay it. Yeah. And, and that's going to cause this uh, cascading effect of social and political change that will be augmented and speeded up by the social media. So it's going to be unlike anything we've ever had happen before, but exactly like everything we've happened that's happened before. Only it's all going to be it's going to be like taking 300 years of the degradation in, of Rome and compressing it all into six months. Wow, how's Canada going to fare? Uh, Canada's going to have a real rough time with their dollar. The Canadian and Aussie dollars go ahead of the U.S. dollar. And are, are there, the good news is they're one of the last to go. That You'll run into hyperinflation uh, ahead of the U.S., uh, worse than the U.S., but it won't last as long. And you guys will come out of it earlier than us. So uh, Canada starts its recovery in 2019, more or less, whereas we don't really get into it here until about 2023, 2024. Uh, Canada does so because of their uh, resources and also because of some um, uh, Neil Adams kind of new material spooky stuff that's going to show up. I don't have a name for it or anything. It hasn't been named yet. I believe it'll be a naturally occurring crystal, but that's that's a, a supposition on my part. But it'll be mined in Canada and will be very, very valuable for the uh, what I'm calling the new electrics, uh, which is this uh, – the. Um, and new ways of dealing with uh, electrical energy that produce the fields. And so Canada is going to have some kind of a mineral that's going to be used in the control uh, circuitry. And so it, um, it's going to be a, a very valuable recovery for Canada because it puts you guys right into the into – the, it'd be kind of like being in the middle of um, uh, uh, Steve Jobs' garage just as they're starting it, right? Can anyway, Grant American can get in on the ground floor of this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've always okay, wanted see, to hunt for crystals, so this might be the well, time to start. Exactly so. But see, here's the thing. Okay, I'm only thinking it's a crystal. And when I start thinking about this stuff, as opposed to just looking at the data, we get into areas. But here's what yeah. I have to say. Okay, so say I've got 20,000 words that describe this, and there's probably about 200,000. I'm going through the 20,000, and it's like uh, reading something out of the CIA, because it's mainly the word unknown or officially denied or unknown or not yet discovered. And and then it'll say energy, and then it'll say unknown, not not officially denied, not yet discovered, electrical, and so on and so on and so on. So wow. there's very very few clues in here because it is an unknown. We literally have not yet invented it. So as I liken this, it's like try and describe and get uh, get the idea across to someone in the Middle Ages of chewing gum. You can say the words to them, it's meaningless, right? So 
if you wanted to just describe them and have them label it, you're probably not necessarily going to come out with the you word chewing. You might say in food, some sort of food or something, yeah. Exactly so. So so looking at this data, it becomes can become very misleading. And then I've, then just with as with numbers, we get lots and lots and lots and lots of geographic references. So those are specifically misleading, and I don't trust them much. Now, it is true that in insofar as the... Um, uh, some of these things for new electrics and that kind of a deal over the past few years, the system has gotten to the point where we can aggregate and concentrate down the um, the geographic references into a big lump. And so I can say with some certainty based on the data, I don't, not on reality, but just based on the data, that the data is forecasting a large silver discovery of Neil Adams' new silver that will occur between Greece and Turkey in the bottom of the Adriatic. Okay, that and that the reason I'm saying that is simply because of the uh, associations to underseas, underwater, and all of that, plus all the geographic references clustering in that particular spot. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so in regards to the new electrics, is, do you think that has anything to do with disclosure? Like the what? What do you uh, call that? That whole topic of the space age farts uh, or something like that? Because because maybe that maybe this is the technology that the secret space program has been using, and it finally gets Canada uh, wouldn't have it though, you know. But it finally gets you know out there for it, it, everybody. Okay, it may be that. But I don't think we can tell anymore, and here's why, okay? I'm quite convinced that the transistor, the diode, all of the solid-state uh, electronics that were introduced after 1947 are indeed uh, back-engineered space alien kind of stuff, right? So here's our problem. The new electrics are based on that, so they are inherently based on space alien technology from the get-go. And so I've got that in in the associations, in the little entity, the Space Coat Farts entity, where all a lot of this new electric stuff shows up. I've right. got that inherent connection back right, to the right. space aliens. Uh, but I'm actually of the opinion that that's not what's going to occur. Right. That it's going to be native talent that will take space alien ideas and express them in a human way and will do it with stuff that's here. And that, no, it's not... Uh, uh, external savior uh, coming down to gift us with free energy. Rather, it's uh, you know us little naked primates running around scratching our heads and our asses until we actually think of something. And by God, it's a really good idea. <laughs> and it's a Canadian one. I, I can get on board with that. But no, okay. Now the Canadians provide one third oh, of it. Oh, we, we only provide the stuff. Yeah, that sounds you, about you, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. There's um. There's a couple of guys. I think they're going to be coming out of Germany. Uh, they may be Germans in America. They've got some kind of a German association. These are going to be the uh, two fellows that are that are students, and they're going to come up with the um, uh, the mathematics. I think at least the control mechanism for what we can call um, adjustable field technology. Okay, and a field we will we're going to end up having to invent a whole new language for fields. It's going to be a, an incredibly important um, economic driver for the planet. Uh, for the next hundred plus years, maybe hundreds of years, I don't know. And the uh, the technology is going to be based on the ability to create and maintain and move and shape and alter um, uh, and even make reasonably static uh, energetic fields. Some of the energy not being electric. Uh, so we have we don't have words for any of this kind of stuff. Canada is going to provide at this initial out, out outset uh, a. Um, this this uh, very key, uh, which I think is crystalline element, or or not element, compound, um, natural natively occurring compound, an alloy probably, uh, some kind of a metallic crystal. Now later on in some of the real far long term data, there's a, um, a resurgence. You guys end up 
setting up some kind of, um, let's just call it a college that's uh, devoted to this kind of stuff. Uh, in and it and it happens after the wave of vast migration up into the up into Canada from the U.S. as we get into our problems down here. So it's probably twenty plus years out. Uh, but you guys have a long-term uh, association with it, but you initially are part of this one-third that provides the controls. There's this uh, going to be um, these two German guys that will come up with the math, or two people with a German connection, and then there's going to be an Italian uh, scientist that that uh, comes up with the um, uh, formulas that allow the, the two students to do the first practical application. And then they do it using these Canadian minerals or materials when it finally gets into production. So it, it may not be a year, it might be two years before they start mining for this. But then thereafter, uh, that region of Canada is like major boom town uh, for hundreds of years, maybe hundreds of years. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's not a rare earth. It's not in the Lanthide series uh, of chemicals. Uh, it's static when they discover it. So I've got all these really good descriptions of it, but I don't have a name. We haven't named the critter yet. Yeah. I wonder if we'll build a wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it'll be too late. Uh, yeah. It'll be too late by that. You mentioned the CIA with this kind of stuff you're doing. Have you got any interest from any of these intelligence agencies? I'm certain they're, uh, they're aware of it. I have to admit that way back when, um, in the year 2001, after the um, uh, fake terrorist attack on the U.S. Uh, by the powers that be, th this guy that was working with me, George Ure, convinced me to submit a request for funding to the CIA, okay, to their their um, venture capital arm. So in in the course of full disclosure, we did do that. I went to the trial. I didn't want to. He was ragging on my ass the whole time. Um <laughs> I'd actually tried to sell software to the CIA in the 90s. I had this uh, software that allowed people to read 2,000-plus words per minute from computer screens, and I figured these guys sat around and read all, read all the time. They might like this, but they weren't interested. And then the second time in the year 2001 when I wrote up the um, thing, we went ahead and submitted it to their venture arm, NQTEL, uh, which is their venture capital arm of the CIA. And they sent, they looked at it and sent back a, a little letter, and they were very polite and said it was very interesting technology, but just not anything they were interested in. And it's kind of like, yeah, sure, guys. <laughs> we didn't get any money out of them, and I never dealt with them. And, um, you know, and that's the way it is. But uh, I, as far as I know, they, they don't mess with me. Hmm. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Good to yeah. know. What about uh, the future of the EU? How is that going to stay together or fall apart? Uh, or? No, no it, doesn't, it doesn't look good. It's going to change. We're going to get new countries even. Um, in a broad sense, uh, what's going to happen is, uh, uh, I'll use some very nasty words here, uh, it's sort of like ethnic cleansing. There's going to be a huge backlash against the uh, powers that be uh, flooding Europe with the uh, Muslim culture. Uh, there's going to be a, a, a rising up and um, unfortunately be associated with right wing and fascism and all of this, but it's not. It's actually what I've called all along for years now the core's, core people's movement. And it actually uh, is a uh, part of what we're seeing expressed now where everybody wants to bust up and they don't want to be part of the bigger countries. Yeah. The, EU, the EU was forced on uh, Europe at the end of World War II uh, from the 50s through the 60s and through the 70s. That's where all this the plans were put into place for this. And everybody in the 50s, 60s, and 70s in Europe just wanted to go back to their home and not be at war and strife and stuff. They didn't mm -hmm. want to get really involved and engaged. 
but nonetheless, they were forced into all of this. Now we're going to see the completion of that um, emotional um, mindset of the 60s as the EU busts up. Unfortunately, it's got to go through a very uh, near warlike condition, near traumatic warlike condition uh, to get there. And the data is actually shown for about two years that we were going to have a what we called a diaspora or a diaspora, a movement of the peoples out of Europe towards the Mideast and that uh, they would be forced out. Now, this was long before the refugees started coming in in mass. And so I couldn't understand it. At the time, I was interpreting it as though there was going to be some kind of a, perhaps a climate or a nuclear disaster or something that would push the people of Europe out. But really, if i looking at the interpretation now and looking at the data now, what is described... Correct, correct. It's the backlash. It's the core people's groups that are going to stand up and say, you know, I don't give a rat's ass about my government. I'm tired of having my my uh, female relatives raped, and we're just not going to have this anymore. And so it, it's already started. It's already breaking out. It's going to gain um, momentum over the course of this year and lead to uh, a giant reverse wave uh, lots of you know terrible bad behavior, people dying, all of this kind of stuff uh, over the rest of this six months, and it's going to even more so than all of that. Uh, it's going to leave a social scar, an emotional scar on the people of Europe that will take probably generations to overcome, uh, to to work out. But it'll also transform the relationship of the people of Europe with their own uh, ruling class, because basically the the people have to stand up or are going to, and so far as our data describes are going to stand up and say, you know, I don't give a rat's ass about authorities anymore. I've got to do this. Yeah, there really seems to be a visible backlash like it's on to the, the establishment it's on the right now. edge right now. I yeah. mean, it's like something's happening every other day in yeah, France. Yeah, with, with just with Trump and the Brexit are big examples of that happening in a way where people are just... France can't be far off from doing something crazy. Yeah. 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 Well, also, you have to, again place ourselves in a historical context, okay? Because then it allows us as rational individuals to examine even our own behavior within that and maybe keep ourselves safe and not get caught up in stuff. But look, we're in a period of time that uh, this weird uh, Russian fellow, uh, Gurdjieff, uh, described as the Sololunius. And this is actually a time when the sun is pouring out energies that we don't even know how to describe. Huh. But they are they are affecting us. We, we have a new type of ultraviolet, did you know that? New, we used to have ultraviolet no, A I didn't and know. Well, we have A and B. Now we have a C. C is very energetic, and it's caused all kinds of evaporation of uh, water out of the ocean, which has resulted in all these weird storms where, you know, five years' worth of rain comes down in two days, that kind of thing, right? And uh, uh, UVC is primarily responsible for that. Now it's adding in there uh, uh, even more intense UV. They're going to start calling UVD. And so um, we are all subjected to this in the Sololunius. These are predictable periods of time. We're at the end of this 100,000-year cycle. We're going to be in this cycle until about 2041 to 2065 is when it'll um, wane and finally be gone, and we'll be on the other side of it, if you will, and won't be subjected to these level of energies. So uh, my suggestion is that the vast majority of humanity at its larger, lumbering, non-really thinking, sort of I'm responding to these kind of stimulus is being affected by this. And so um, uh, decisions are being made that are uh, would be bad to begin with, but they're extremely bad now that everybody's got this uh, extra burden of all these energies making them irritable and grouchy and putting them on edge. When did, the, when did these energies start, approximately? Uh, 
in probably the the first instances that anybody that I've been been able to locate of the um, change in the UV uh, appeared to be about 1956 or 1957. That was when it first started to show up. That was when we first started getting the language for uh, the heating. Uh, that's when the warmest uh, views started first appearing, and it was because of the result of you know things heating up because of the UVC coming in. Now, just because the extra energy is coming in from the sun doesn't mean we're going to heat up because the it's a very complex process. The UVD has been noticed since about 2006 or seven, I think. I wonder, is there any chance that that, well, it has that negative effect to make it everybody crazy? It's also could help uh, drive the, because that's kind of when technology started taking off. Exactly so. Exactly so. And there, uh, you cannot say that they're not related. Hmm. So we're all going to go, we're going to get lazy again. Maybe not lazy. I mean, (laughs) I'm, I'm from the mindset that life was not so bad a couple thousand years ago, depending on where you were living. I'm an Indian, so the planes aren't (laughs) sounding so bad some days when I get a fucking, when my alarm goes off, I wish I was in a wigwam. (laughs) Hey, I've, I've lived in those. I lived in those in the fifties when I was a a kid in Alaska, um, It was, it was a really interesting time. The uh, American teepee is really um, underrated. Uh, you know, we had them uh, in the military. It was really strange. I was a military brat, and my dad would rent these uh, huge teepees, uh, probably 25-foot um, diameter teepees. They'd house eight people, big fire pits, the whole thing. And you rent these guys and uh, for a month up there, and we'd go and live in the teepees in the summer in the in the uh, all over Alaska. It was just great. That's awesome. Uh, you had mentioned Russia. What's their future look like? Pretty good. Russia's really tied into the um, new electrics. There's two major components of it that start off right away. That's the these three guys I've uh, des- described, the Italian, the two uh, fellows, which are, are German, but it somehow end up with a connection with an East Coast American university. And then the Canadians with the um, the crystals or the mineral, whatever it is. And then there's the other component of it. So that's the control, what I think of as the control circuitry, the basic underlying um, mathematics that allows it to all work. Now, there's another component of it here that's been described in the data maybe as early as 2003. Okay, and we got some really good uh, data sets out of a particular set there that included, you know, the Banda Achi quake and a lot of other stuff. And so um, they're still pending. They were very descriptive of these new electrics. At the time in 2003, I knew we might be... 10, 15 years out. Um, but in any event, so it, it, it described Russia and Siberia and these uh, two individuals uh, that are going to connect with some uh, Indian guys like in uh, hin- Hindus and that are going to connect with somebody in South America. So there's three parties. Each of the parties is um, uh, two people except for the Indian guy and the Indian guy has got a... Um, uh, a group, uh, 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 a business or an organization that supports him. So he's got a lot of people with him. These are the people that, that uh, take the new electrics and produce the um, uh, practical advantage stuff for us. So they produce the generators, they produce the motors, they produce the uh, field effect uh, uh, transformation devices that allow you to take one form of energy and turn it into another. And so in the data sets, it's describing all this really cool stuff. I just can't wait to have it because it'd make my life a lot easier. One of the things I really <laughs> really want to get hold of is this apparently is this little device that I could like um, it is described as being like about the size of a dinner plate and I'd be able to like uh, throw it underneath my big uh, F-350 dually here hit a few buttons on my control panel and have it raise the dually up four or five feet and then I could push it around that kind of thing yeah 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 it's a lifting field it, it's not anti-gravity per se because you can't go levitate up 20,000 feet or anything but it has a limited yeah. effect but no more forklifts. Nice. 
And I could, <laughs> yeah. like, I could look good at the gym. So there's no like new Cold War because I mean the powers that be would have you believe that if the U.S. goes into depression, the Russians are coming. Yeah, the Russians are coming to help us out. Uh-huh. Truly, truly, there's there's um, some really negative um, things that happen here in the uh, North America, uh, both relative to um, the Terra entity, the ground underneath our feet, and our infrastructure and stuff. And we've had since 2004 or five something like that. Um, and I've described it in reports way back then uh, about a situation where the, the the we would have Russians coming and building access ports in a real hurry on the east coast of the U.S. in order that uh, relief supplies from all around the planet can get into the to the country. And it's going to be so bad they won't be able to land planes. So it's got to come by sea. So whatever it is, and you know, we're still building in those sets. We don't have a lot of descriptors. I haven't looked at them for a long time. Uh, probably should revisit them in the next uh, run or two, uh, look for new growth and so on. But I suspected it was a res- as a result of this major earthquake that is showing for uh, 2017. Uh, it appears to strike and it may even set off Mount Rainier. It may uh, get uh, New Madrid fault to go. It'll have uh, ramifications and repercussions in both Mexico and Canada. Uh, and it's very devastating for the uh, infrastructure here and may deprive great areas of the North uh, of the uh, North America uh, of electricity for years. Wow. <clears throat> Darren, I want to get back to, uh, what, do you know what month some, in 2017? That was going to go know down that, for the eclipse. Well, that's probably where it's going to happen is a result of that. I think it occurs slightly before that or as a precursor or as a part of it, uh, because we don't show it, uh, it doesn't show up before June and the impact that data sets are describing is clearly visible in, uh, late August through September, October. Hmm. Huh. The eclipse is in August. There you go. Yeah. So I should not come? Well, no, 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 no. No, you got to look at it a different <laughs> way. You gotta, oh, you're okay, going to go look. down south and watch the eclipse? Well, yeah, we were going to go camping for that week to yeah. go watch the eclipse with my kids. Yeah, and see, here's the thing, Guy. As, uh, as adults, uh, you don't know what your destiny is. And can you honestly say that you uh, are egotistical enough to want to deprive universe and those individuals that are that would be affected of your heroic actions in such a case. In other words, as an adult, you're rarely ever given a chance to be a hero, to do things that are uh, for the good of universe. Universe presents you these opportunities, and mostly we ignore them. So if you're given an opportunity to go there, and there was going to be some kind of you know chaotic kind of stuff, bear in mind, earthquakes don't kill people. It's bad engineering that kill people. If you're going to be out camping, I doubt your tent's going to fall on you and kill you. So, you know, have at it, enjoy it, and then, you know, be prepared to provide help for people. Oh, that's good advice. There you go, Darren. You're finally a chance to be a hero. I won't camp near the volcano. (laughs) There you go. Where's where's the volcano? Rainier. Rainier's the... uh, Yeah, that's... It's about um, 45 miles north of me. Okay. I don't know where you are. Washington. Oh, it's in Washington by... Is that the one? No, the one that erupted before was Helens, right? Is it by St. Helens? Yes, indeed. It's between Seattle and St. Helens. And if, if Rainier were to go off the wrong way, uh, a big chunk of South Seattle would be wiped out by the mud flow. Wow. What about like that Yellowstone supervolcano? You ever seen any rumblings no, around there? No, no. See, there's the thing. Uh, yeah, you're going to see all kinds of activity there, but it's a spent force. And everybody forgets this. Uh, at the time that it exploded and sent ash around the planet and all of that, there were some hundreds of volcanoes in a giant ring around the caldera. 
and they blew themselves to shit the same way St. Helens did. So they're still in growing mode to grow back to those volcanoes. So they don't represent the caldera at Yellowstone is no longer a super volcano, just as the uh, caldera in the Indonesian area that Krakatoa was part of is no longer a super volcano. Uh, there's big areas of uh, magma there, but there's no volcanic uh, pressure. There's no uh, pressurized vents the way that existed in the past. So at the time that Yellowstone blew up in the past, it was estimated that 12 volcanoes the size of Mount Rainier vaporized in the first minute. And so that entire mass, all of that stuff is simply gone. And it was sitting on top of the caldera, pressurizing it. So now the caldera just sits there and go blah, 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 you know. So no, it's not a big threat. Good to know. So I want to I want to just switch gears back to financial stuff again because uh, Monica's got a few questions here. I want to I'm going to read read a couple questions for you, and they're all kind of uh, wrapped around this this financial stuff, and then you can sort of uh, just go with the flow here. So one of them is regards to Bitcoin. You're a proponent of it. Um, I've heard you talk a lot about it here, and and uh, but there's a few people in the financial arena that say they're reluctant to buy it because. Uh, TPTB will use the internet kill switch. And then also, have you heard of uh, Jeff Berwick's The Dollar? He's a dollar vigilante. His take on the Shemitah cycles or the Jubilee years. And if so, do you agree with the premise that there will be a collapse in the financial markets this fall, which you kind of already talked about a little bit? You know, will it start with the Deutsche Bank or Credit Suisse or, or Italy or the U.S.? And then the other one is about the failure of the Federal Reserve. And will, will we be replacing it, uh, the world currency, of like something like the SDR, or will it go more, you know, digital to Bitcoin, I guess? Okay, let's, uh, let's work backwards here. Okay? Sure. So we'll say the SDR and that kind of stuff will be proffered and it'll fail. And according to the data, we're going to get offered three different things um, that'll be offered to pull us out of the, um, uh, the miserable state we're in. Those uh-huh. three things will, will fail. And then we're going to go to a gold coin standard. Coincidentally, probably 2018, very coincident with the uh, Economist magazine cover. The three things that they offer, I think, are designed to fail. They, the powers that be need to have us uh, go through a certain amount of anguish mm. before we'll accept accept mm. their new new system and they're setting all that up. Mm. Now, back, backing our way up through, um, uh, let's leave Jeff and uh, Dollar Vigilante out for a side. Let's go into the Bitcoin and stuff and the powers that be in the kill, kill switch. Yeah, yeah. They, can't, they can't do that because the minute that the, the internet is killed, the powers that be lose all of their power. Yeah. Their power is entirely based on, on digital capital moving around the planet. If you can't move digital capital, then they're locked into national systems. They're no longer globalists. And the minute that the kill switch goes in and ATMs and all this sort of stuff doesn't work, there's then the the serfs rebel because there's no longer anything in the way of you know um, uh, food stamps or any of this. And so you've got mass chaos instantly. And yes, it would technically deprive people of the ability to trade Bitcoin across the internet, but that's all it would do. It doesn't even kill Bitcoin. I can actually do Bitcoin math on a piece of paper <laughs> with a pencil if I want it. And I could put Bitcoin onto a piece of paper in terms of the uh, uh, private keys and resurrect it any other place on the planet, given an access to a computer. And Bitcoin can be traded from phone to phone and so on. So it is not limited to the Internet having to run. And the powers that be, I can swear to you at this point, will never, ever, ever dare disconnect the the Internet. Because not only is it their... Um, their wealth. Their, yeah, it, not only is it their wealth, it's also their eyes and ears and their control mechanism. And without that, they're going to freak out. They wouldn't know what would be happening, and they don't have the manpower to control us without that. 
It's estimated the Chinese, by the way, uh, uh, Chinese government, um, central authorities know that in order to take over and control a populace, uh, they've got to have 20 percent Han Chinese in that group. Everybody thinks of China as being uh, filled with uh, what we think of as a typical uh, Asian person with, you know, slightly yellowish skin, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, there's over 150 racial, 140 racial groups in China. And uh, and the Han Chinese are a small portion of that. And they, when they go to a new region and the central authorities take over one of these um, regions that used to be formerly self-governing, they always move in at least 20% of their population. Now, uh, as a control mechanism, as, as their vehicle for eyes, ears, and, and boots on the ground, so to speak, there is no such uh, thing for the powers that be. They don't have enough people to put 20% of the, uh, to occupy 20% of the U.S. And also, that's why there will never be an effective invasion uh, or a war with an intent to invade the U.S., because it would take such huge manpower to do so, and even the Chinese could not accomplish it. Uh, it was estimated that the uh, amount of the Chinese military that would be necessary to occupy the United States uh, would totally drain their resources in China, and they don't even have... Um, there's an interesting thing about armies. Let's divert for a second here real quick because sure. it goes to econ economics. Some armies are like the United States. We've got maybe 88 managers to one guy in the field who pushes a button on a drone, but we've got the most incredible logistics outfit in those 88 managers. China maybe has uh, uh, two and a half million people with their finger on a gun, but they don't have the 88 managers that can get their bullets to them across an ocean. So, so there's a different way of expressing force with these kind of things. So I'm not worried about invasion of the U.S. or any of that kind of stuff. Now, getting back to Bitcoin and um, the cycles and the powers that be in Jeff, here's the deal. Uh, Bitcoin is a um, uh, people's issued money. We're going to go digital. Um, uh, the uh, decision has been made that we're not going to go into Mad Max apocalypse world. We may have huge economic crashes, but we're actually going to go into uh, more like um, Blade Runner sci-fi world. And so uh, that decision has, by the powers that be and the people that are behind them uh, means that we can, uh, if you will, safely pursue Bitcoin in our own issues uh, with digital currencies. Now, Bitcoin is really cool because it's the people that issue it. Uh, even if it was an NSA invention, uh, it's now been taken over by the Chinese populace because they bought them all. And so and so, it, it's easily um, uh, disruptive to the powers that be. They don't like it. They're trying to get in on it. It's not going to work for them, but it, will, it does have real legs. So if you're... Um, Afraid of buying a Bitcoin or a portion of it now, and uh, because of the fear that the powers that be are going to take it away from you, then I would say, and you were, for instance, going to buy gold or silver, then I would say two things here. If the powers that be were to shut off the internet, your gold and silver is only worth what you can trade it to your neighbor for. Yeah, You can't sell, you can't sell it. So by all means... Go in full bore, big key, big energy and buy some Bitcoin. Because if the Internet goes, we're into a Mad Max world. And I don't think they've chosen that one. They've chosen the other world. And so you can buy the Bitcoin now. And, uh, you know, it will be something that you can pass on uh, intergenerationally insofar as what the data is showing. That the Bitcoin is going to go to um, it's it had an association with silver emotionally. And it, it's moving into an association with gold, and then it's going to go beyond that into something new. And so uh, the data is actually showing that maybe the far distant future, maybe say 2028, 20, 2029, 20, 
countries are using Bitcoin to do intercountry settlement on debts. Wow. I'm going to put my money into cigarettes, whiskey, and guns because that, <laughs> that stuff never loses value. It goes up. The shittier times yet, the more that shit's worth. <laughs> well, there is that, but yeah, but it's not very life-affirming. No. And so, it's tough to turn down unless you just turn down your racket. You did some hired hands yeah. to, to, for security. So yeah. how how will the how will the uh, the new storms or the the change in the weather patterns play into that whole transition into the the uh, let's say the Blade Runner type scenario? Like the damage to the communication systems, and and Monica was asking about this as well. Like the winds and the straight line winds, which are cross linked to the popcorn storms, which seems like we're getting these right now in Calgary and all over Western Canada, actually. And it seems that this would indicate some power outages, so that could affect oh, sure, the, that sure. could affect Bitcoin as well. And it seems like that be, may, might be why the cards will quit working. Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, the cards and so on, I think, is a function of the credit freeze and J.P. Morgan because yeah. they're the ones that uh, are, it basically we put all of our eggs in a single basket with mm. these um, a couple of mega banks that control that system. So that's a separate issue. That's in an entirely different uh, set. Okay. Now the the regional power outages are are going to float all over North America. Um, uh, the good news is for us is that the uh, weather changes and so on. Uh, are indeed going to hit us all, but it's kind of a situation of it makes us tougher and better at repairing them. Right. And see, right at the right at the moment, curiously, if we had one of those uh, CMEs that took out the North American uh, power grid, there is no manufacturer of transformers in North America anymore. Huh. And so, and so we would be uh, 35 years replacing the transformers we have now. Uh, from external Chinese, Philippine, Indonesian sources, yeah. okay? Just, just, from, just from one Carrington event. Correct. Yeah. However, and it would take that long to replace them. However, that is a, that's the kind of thinking that you usually see with academics where they proffer this idea as, oh, Carrington event will deprive us from electricity for 35 years. And I would beg to differ. No, it won't because humans are not static dead things. Yeah. We're inventive. We're going to come up or somebody's going to say, well, damn, the power grid's down. I'm going to pop off my free energy idea and see if it don't work. And, you know, that kind of thing will occur. People will cobble together, make a way, make it happen, and um, uh, evolution will work, and the best ideas in the circumstances will uh, emerge. And probably 12 years later, we've got something that is better than the old grid, newer, more robust, uh, you know, chaos-driven, et cetera, et cetera. And until then, we've got the technology already of being able to harness the wind, the water. We've got diesel generators and all our big infrastructure and hey, guess what? I've been, um, it's not going to be, betray a confidence because I won't go into the details, but uh, we've been seeing this thing, for instance, uh, that, that we've recently called the slope. Okay. It's a giant, huge project that's going to occur uh, over these next few years. It's going to be related to the uh, Atlantic side of the Irish coast. Ireland's going to get a big boost out of it economically and at an even better, even more meaningful at a, um, a cultural level, a, a self-esteem level, if you will, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, but this this thing, uh, we now think we're getting some of the details on it, and we think it's an energy-producing device. It's made by the Chinese. It's had a 20-year history uh, of use in China. It's a static device in the sense that there's no moving parts, uh, relatively. Uh, I can't get into the details, but basically it involves uh, like a giant heat pump, if you will, from the deep uh, ocean temperatures to the surface temperatures to generate electricity. And it looks like 
it really does look like the 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 data sets were able to predict a number of months out, maybe even a year now, uh, that this project was going to occur. And I've actually been contacted by individuals that I think are are um, participating in the early stages of it. Because, for instance, we had data showing that Chinese were going to fund it and so on and so on. Uh, but here's the interesting part about this. Uh, this is just one of these new electric technologies that are going to be around the planet that in essence are free energy without any of the zero point, um, you know, uh, uh, what is it, lanthanum pressed gold uh, dilithium crystal kind of stuff, right? It's just a simple technology that sits there and produces electricity like the wind and the solar. Only this is a very interesting one because of its ease of use and the fact that once it's made, it's virtually maintenance free. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Interesting. So what? what yeah, so go ahead. I say so. Canada gets involved in this too because the slope, as a project, uh, Canada in the uh, Newfoundland, uh, Nova Scotia region does a lot of the um, uh, logistics support for the Irish, and so there's going to be a sort of a, a maritime boon. Uh, boom there that will also bring the boon of this technology over to the Baffin Bay area and it'll start being put there. But the data on that is probably 15 years out. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the storms and stuff then and, and the different weather? Like, do you, do you think that some of that is, is that all natural or is some of that uh, man-made or intentional um, effect, um, effects from man-made? And I, I don't mean man-made as in carbon pollution. I mean, man-made as in weather modification. Yeah, I'm certain they're out there screwing around with that. I mean, I I know that for an absolute fact because my dad was in the military at a high enough level that he had to study it in order to uh, progress through certain courses that he was taking. Uh, so even in the, um, that would have been 67, even in 67, the the information was available that the U.S. military was doing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so yes, they're doing that. Uh, there's some interesting things going on. The jet stream has recently crossed the equator. Uh, this is a very... Um, potentially troubling, but but I'm just assuming it's all going to work out because of the self-correcting nature of these spheres that we live on. Mm -hmm. the, the Earth has got a, um, uh, a goal of trying to reach homeostasis, to spread heat evenly around the surface. And that's what gives us all life because it continues to try and do this. It'll never achieve it, and, and it would be horrific for us if it did achieve it. But the mere fact that it's trying to achieve it is what creates all of our weather. And so these popcorn storms and everything that were forecast by the data that we're now seeing appear all over the planet, mostly in the northern hemisphere, though, uh, are a dr direct result of the shift in all of these wind patterns. And I think these are all um, driven by, at the very large macro level, by an upcoming expansion event, which is probably this uh, earthquake in the 2017. Um, the fact that the uh, eclipse is involved uh, temporally, I, I can't say it's involved causally because we've had the uh, data suggest that it is actually an expansion event that we're going to undergo here. Now, uh, as a result of that, as a result of the sphere under our feet changing, the dynamics of the heat distribution system must also change. I don't expect this as permanent. I expect that we have to live through, as I say, probably two more uh, or about 40 more years of this um, before it settles down a bit. Uh, and it will be a different world then, 
truly. It will be. Uh, it'll have different currents. Uh, the the currents may cross the equator in different spots. We may have different temperature dis- distributions. We may have uh, glaciers on the equator. For all I know, uh, there certainly there will be new glaciers throughout Europe. There's the suggestion that um, uh, Europe will, to a certain extent, be uh, depopulated by the glaciers. Uh, so all different kinds of things are going to go along relative to the weather uh, for humanity, but we get through it. I mean, it's actually good for us to encounter this at this time. And wow. And that's how far out is that? Well, we're living in it now. Right, I right. Mean, the, po- the popcorn storms and everything, it's all going to develop over these next few years. The data sets were suggesting that millions, as in tens of uh, millions of people will be shifted uh, due to uh, uh, weather in unpredictable ways. So the unpredictable ways component of that is very key because the sets in there are not talking about uh, creeping shoreline disappearing on low-lying islands. They're talking about sudden rivers drying up and the uh, five nuclear plants that used to be uh, uh, getting cooling water from them going into a supercritical meltdown, uh, that that kind of thing. See, so those forms of uh, weather climate dis disruption are going to cause tens of millions of people to move over these next 15 or 20 years. How, how are the mainstream media going to handle this? Are they going to, they're going to continue propagating that this is a man-made global warming causing it? Is that going to fall apart, do you think, during this whole shift? Or how, how long is that going to last? Presume, I would presume so. I don't spend much time thinking about that. So, right, yeah. or, or their, their pronouncements or stuff. So uh, I just, I don't watch, don't watch them. I just don't imbibe it at all. So and, and to a certain extent, you know, I, I haven't considered that. I could, I could cogitate on it, but um, yeah. it never occupied much thought. Right, and the data sets don't really f- talk about that as well, right? Well, they do because they're frequently referring to the propaganda press and everything. But I'm looking for um, – I am not. I was never really looking for anything that was uh, a gauge of their effectiveness, if you will. I was much more concerned with uh, something that might prop up that would affect them. So, for instance, we had a number of years back, we had a, a bunch of sets about uh, reporters being confronted on the street for their lies and all of this kind of thing, all of which matured hmm. and, and, sh- and showed up and manifested. And so I would see that kind of stuff about the mainstream press. But in terms of the press as a big aggregate and its ineffectiveness, never even looked at the data that way. Right, right. How's the future of Grimerica look? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, you don't want to have me go look at that because it always tends to concentrate the negative. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. And it, it, was, it was truly horrific. I mean, the times I've done private runs for personal people, we've seen um, nothing but the terrible parts of life. You know, the death of a spouse, this kind of thing. So it was just never good. And I just don't do those now. You could not pay me enough money to do that shit. Yeah, yeah, that's no fun. It's more fun to predict the, uh, I like that stuff too. What about, uh, was it Monica who sent in the alien cruise ship question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated by that myself. This was just like a really cool. It was out of the blue. Usually we see these sets forming in a um, an organic uh, kind of a way, sort of like you get a couple of drops and it forms a little puddle, makes a slight depression in the ground, a few mm-hmm. more drops, and the puddle grows, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And pretty soon you've got a little area, a dip off the corner of your house where all the water collects. Um, well, this cruise ship thing was entirely different from that. It was as though you turned around, walked out there one day, and there was that huge puddle. And, you know, without any of the buildup. And so it was quite fascinating. We've had sets like that appear in the past that, that where they just came in like all full-blown, so to speak, complete and correct in computer programming terms. 
And uh, when they do show up like that, they've a always been prescient. They've always shown up. They've always shown up in the um, uh, time frame uh, forecast. They've always started off in long-term data and worked their way down to immediacy data. So we're able to track them uh, coming on in. This is how I was able to get the um, uh, Banda Archer earthquake, for instance, right? Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so uh, and uh, the um, uh, the cruise ship Con. Uh, Costa Concordia, uh, uh, because it shows up in long-term data and works its way down. You sort of track it, and it fills in and so on. Uh, here we've got these sets where uh, they're suggesting that we're going to get a flyby, uh, some kind of a mechanized, clearly a spaceship. It'll be slow enough that a big chunk of humanity will see it because the spaceship is coming down to look at us. Uh, so it'll come close enough to uh, that it'll be within our atmosphere and slow enough that it'll be looking at us because it's going to take the individuals that are in it on a cruise, and, and we're the things they're looking at. We're the uh, local attraction, if you will, the mm -hmm. roadside attraction. Mm -hmm. And so and so, as the roadside attraction, we can sit there, and we're going to be able to stare at it, and that's what's going to affect disclosure. So it isn't going to be the new electrics or any of that, and I think we're, we're actually, I think we are originally and organically inventing our own new electrics and our own free energy. True, we've got this seed of the the solid state stuff from the, you know, transistors and diodes and all of that. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, I think we're actually uh, beyond what they were capable of, and we're going to do our own stuff here, right? But the cruise ship stuff is going to be really cool because it'll bust open the whole disclosure thing completely. Nice. And I, th I think it's around 2018. It's in the far long-term data. I haven't, last time I looked, I haven't seen any of it appear in the um, short-term data at all. Uh, so I'll, I'll certainly be tracking that and writing about it as it, as it matures, but it's going to be really cool because apparently we'll be able to see them looking at us and lots of people are going to freak out. Nice. And so how does the, how does the data present an alien cruise ship? How does that show up? It's just the language. It's literally, uh, you have to understand, I don't get pictures. I get, uh, basically, I get hexadecimal integers. And then I take all these hexadecimal integers and I go and look them up in this um, a big file that is the lexicon. And it has all these words. And so there were um, uh, the officially denied and the officially unknown uh, sets that are at the top of this. This is a fuzzy set theory basis. So as you read down through it, uh, it would be like encountering the words of cruise and then cruise ship and then cruise ship um, participants. And then it would go on down and cruise ship inhabitants. So a participant would be the crew, presumably, and an inhabitant would be the guest or the, uh, you know, the, the tourist. And then it goes on and, and so on. And then you realize, oh, hey, this is all tied over to space alien or to the space coat farts where it, all this entire set you've been reading about the cruise thing is supporting space aliens, officially denied technology, officially denied um, uh, beings and so on and so on and so on. So you, you merge these, these, uh, these uh, sets. So the, the cruise ship stuff is, is described a cruise ship as though you were sitting on a beach somewhere in Mexico Mexico and a cruise ship came up and and uh, took a couple of hours to drive by you and all the people on the side of the cruise ship were looking and taking photos of you sitting on the beach. Very much that kind of language. And then you see that the whole thing is wrapped in the space goat farts entity, uh, space aliens cruising by the earth language. Make sense? Yeah, yeah I like it. So but we should probably not keep you for too much longer, Cliff. Um, it's, it's just been fascinating. But is there is there stuff that... Um you're working on in the future what, what do you got going on now that um before we start wrapping it up 
Well, I'm I'm at this point. I'm in the process of doing the tuning of the lexicon, where I take those um, emotional quantifiers and I go back and I say, okay, this was the forecast. I said it would appear nine days out. It actually showed up 14 days out. I need to make this adjustment in this particular value that led me to think it was nine days and make it more towards the 14. Mm. So that's the that's the tuning process I've got to go through, and then we'll do another report uh, for August and beyond. Uh, but insofar as the big crash and the economics and all of that that Monica was asking about, all that stuff goes down this summer. Okay, so no, I don't have a big crash this fall. And getting mm. back to the Jeff Jeff yeah, Berwick. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I like Jeff. He's a very interesting personality. Uh, he's really cool. I wish he would stop smoking. Uh, in fact, I could help him with that if he ever wanted to contact me. I, I smoked for 17 years and and quit cold turkey and have been uh, off the tobacco for 30 plus years. So so I, can, I actually do have a history of that and I can tell him how to do it. But in any event, though, he's a cool guy. But here's something that I was alluding to earlier. Humans are natively pattern matchers. Okay, we hunt for patterns in nature because it helps us survive. We recognize a tree from a rock because of the patterns presented to us. Mm. So, so we have to be very careful when we see patterns in abstractions because our minds may be placing them there for us. And then there's the other part of this. We have a, have a situation that I'll have to uh, discuss um, in a non-politically correct fashion, okay? And here's our situation. The uh, vast majority or, or a controlling majority of our financial system is the, in the hands of a religious racial group that we call Jewish. Yeah. These, the Jewish people have a history of these um, pattern matching um, um, uh, mnemonics where they get a, a mental image and they live and work on these patterns. So because our financial system is, is uh, controlled by uh, a Jewish dominant personality type that is seeking these patterns and lives by these patterns, they are going to express it whether it was organically there or not. So Jeff is correct in seeing the pattern, but to ascribe that pattern to a deity as opposed to the uh, self-fulfilling uh, prophecy kind of um, stuff of that particular dominant group is, in my estimation, uh, a flawed conclusion. Wow, that's interesting. Makes sense. Huh. Huh. <laughs> so Nonetheless... Nonetheless, the pattern is there, and he's correct, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. going to start happening any day. Or it's happening. It's happening yeah. now. It's happening now. It's yeah. happening now. I think, that actually, the turkey actually um, uh, popped this off, okay? So I've been looking for some stuff that was going to lead us to the point where we would have a, um, a really chaotic um, economic summer where a lot of the mechanisms just simply don't function. And they don't function in a big public way. And I and the uh, the turkey emotional stuff that happened here on Friday uh, f was fulfilling of some of the language for a temporal marker I was looking for. So I feel somewhat comfortable in saying we're going to get to this extremely chaotic uh, fiscal financial thing, especially in the uh, dollar empire on the planet, uh, and we'll be well into it by this time in August. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also the the official uh, the funding. The funders of, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter type thing are calling this a summer of chaos as well. So I'm sure that's not going to help that at all. I mean, it'll just it'll probably just wrap itself around the whole financial thing as well. And uh, Steve, Steve, a buddy of mine, had a couple questions for you as well. And you kind of addressed it, the Ireland thing already, that technology off the West Coast. But he also you also had mentioned uh, an ancient Irish language that would be found to be much older than previously thought. Are those events related in any way? Uh, other than being geographically connected, no. 
there's no causal relationship within the data sets. Uh, it may be that the uh, discovery of the um, uh, Irish language stuff is a big self-esteem booster and participates in the slope project because everybody's feeling good about themselves. But that's really the only thing I could suggest relative to the data. Mm. It does appear that the uh, linguistic discovery, uh, the big tunnel, the cave or whatever it is they find all this stuff in uh, will occur ever so slightly ahead of uh, the uh, public um, uh, or creeping into public consciousness of the slope project because it, it looks like that particular project is going to have a bunch of stuff go on and be um, manifesting as they tentatively work it all out and so on and then be announced very much in a Chinese fashion where they study, 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 plan, 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 and do all release, the prep, yeah. prep work, and then release. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we also do have significant uh, details suggesting Chinese funding and participation. With, with this new technology stuff you're talking about, is there, is there any evidence of... Um of it be, be, from ancient uh, us finding out from ancient cultures like we had this guy on the podcast uh, it's going to be released soon about Egyptians being electric electric Egyptians and stuff like that and then you know we've got all these megalithic sites built around the world have you ever seen anything about us really finding out more secrets from our advanced ancient cultures as opposed to just developing the stuff uh, organically from, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have all kinds of connections for that within the Spaceco Farts entity. Uh, usually I don't talk about it because it's really the, um, it's a backward looking kind of a thing. Yeah, see? Right, so, right. Yeah. so, so there's all sorts of things that like that in the data. And usually it's just sort of like push it out of the way to get at the stuff I'm after. Right, but, okay. but it, but it, it is quite correct. There's a, uh, and this is probably why we have this association from Siberia to, um, uh, India relative to the new electrics and the practical uh, application of the field technology. See, here's the thing. Uh, all of the new electrics, uh, we're looking at a fundamental, uh, if you will, scientific shift, okay? Yeah. It would be as, the, as though we're going to go from uh, everybody having gas lights to LEDs. No, no incandescent, no, no, none of the other stuff in between. It's just going to be a huge jump into this absolutely new technology. Uh, hang on just a second here, okay, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, we're almost done. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've got to take off, guys. So, so I'll finish this thought yeah, up and, sure, and sure. leave here. Uh, but anyway, when we do shift into this uh, new technology stuff, uh, we'll find that we're replicating a lot of the old stuff. So right. whether we re rediscover it or whether we piggyback, I can't say, but it will be matched. Right. And, that's, and, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. yeah. And sorry, guys, I, I have to go rather abruptly. So, yeah, no uh, so problem. I'm, yeah, no problem. Thanks. Thanks, time, Cliff. Cliff. We'll, uh, we'll send you the notes and all that, and we'll link to everything in your show notes, your website and your Twitter and all that. And uh, thanks for coming on. Okay. And you let me know when you post, and I'll uh, uh, talk about it on Twitter and such. Great. Okay. okay thanks, bye -bye. Cliff. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was a chat with Cliff High. That was a great one. Wow. wow. Yeah. I knew absolutely nothing about the guy coming in. Well, and good. Well, you, you're, me. yeah, you're great, man. You were a big help this time. You know, you say that from time to time. It's <laughs> no, because you had some about great questions things. and stuff. Oh my God. Really? Eh? A lot I'm of people not, would no, disagree that this I'm is not logical. Saying, I'm not saying no, I know. more truthful. I'm saying logical things. I have a mind that works very specifically. Yeah. So some of the airy fairy stuff is harder for me. To <laughs> People are listening now, going, "Oh, as if this was an airy fairy." You're talking about psychic, uh, you know, subconscious psychic impressions being but I can pulled out of the it. out of the internet. I can quantify it though. Really? Yeah. Wow. Especially with the time implications and everything. 
Yeah, it's it was really interesting. I it's one of those things. Maybe it's just one of those things that makes sense to me. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just like that. Yeah, I can pick up what he's putting down. Yeah, it's pretty cool that sometimes he knew Neil I, Adams' work as well. I have like, trouble. That's interesting. That yeah, they tie in hand in hand, and I've said publicly that Neil Adams is one of the most paradigm shifting episodes. For yeah, me. yeah, and he ties right in with all that. So I mean, I'm slowly putting together my vision of reality. And yeah. when I get it together, I'll let you guys Would know. you let me know? Good. Maybe I'll write a book. Yeah. He uh, he gets into a lot about um, about China and the Bitcoin as well and how that actually is going to happen. Like, his reports are quite in-depth. Um, I oh, we got to have him on once a year. Yeah, because I, I listened to one of his reports. I downloaded it and uh, put it into my voice stream app. And it took, like, it was two hours long. Like So his monthly reports are, like, comprehensive. Yeah. Two hours. And it's, it's really... Uh, Oh, it's really interesting how, especially this time, this summer. Oh. I don't know if I want to be a hero or not, though. <laughs> what? I don't know if I want to go down to be a hero. Maybe just wait for the next one. <laughs> you you, you would step it up at the time. Probably. Yeah. You would step but, it up. Yeah, it's not about me. Yeah, I know, but you wouldn't do it to be a hero. You'd do it because it's the right thing to no, do. No, I mean, it's not about me or my safety that I'd be concerned about. It'd be my family. Putting my kids in harm way if I think there's going to be a crazy earthquake and social unrest in the country with the most guns. Yeah, but uh, he was thinking it more on the the chance to see that eclipse at, during that time. I think, right? Yeah, like that's what your your fate is. The universe has got it all lined up for you. You've already planned that trip for years. Yeah, well, <laughs> one episode just no, then <laughs> nothing will happen. Yeah, no, uh, it was I'll really. Go. Uh, I'm gonna go. It's really interesting. I'm I'm just fascinated by the financial stuff. I kind of meant to ask him more about. Um, I've been reading about this new currency from the BRICS and all that. I mean, maybe that is the SDR. I'm not. I haven't got too deep into it. But people say that the the U.S. dollar is going to collapse and there's going to be this whole shift over to a new currency. And guess we'll see what happens. Mm. I'm gonna go to the, see the eclipse with the truck and camper that I went at the stampede. Tomorrow. Oh, you're going to win that at the Stampede? I'm going to throw 20 bucks in and see what happens. I pick one every year and throw 20 bucks in. Nice. And just hope. I don't know. It'd be tough not to sell fucking things worth 200 grand. I know. You know, sell it for 150. So I that's know. pretty good. You get a pretty good leg up with 150 grand. Yeah. But, and then spend 20 grand on a nice old, you know, you could still get a nice little motorhome for 20 grand. That's probably what I'd do. Anyway. Everyone, manifest my winning. Trade it in for Bitcoin. There we go. That's what we should do. Ma Get we? the Bitcoin. Yeah. As Gramerica, oh. we should invest in Bitcoin. People should tip oh, us I in thought Bitcoin. you meant invest as Gramerica. We should invest in lottery tickets at the Stampede. No, Bitcoin. <laughs> no. Yeah, if I win. So everyone send me some uh, karma. He says there's he says there's about there's like millions of people starting to use Bitcoin in China. This like episode, this whole wave of Chinese going on to, to Bitcoin and the digital currencies. Like we've got a couple, not yeah. bitcoins, but bits of Bitcoin. Couple couple percentage. I think we got like thirty or forty dollars worth of Bitcoin building up in there. Yeah, thanks, because that came from a listener. Yeah, uh catch frame productions. Nice. That's uh Jeff. That's how your mind works. That's Jeff. Yeah. That's Jeff, the winner of the last art contest? No. Oh, different Jeff? Video Jeff. Video Jeff. Oh. 
the guy that's going to help me piece together the video for Dr. Carnival. That's coming out in like four days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, support the show, help us stay ad free, and help us continue. Yeah. Ship, shape, shaping my reality. And uh, grammarica.ca slash support. Bunch of different options there. Sign up for a monthly, buy a t shirt, uh, spam gram. Tell your friends about this motherfucker. Sign up for the newsletter, grammarica.ca slash news. Send your art to nap. Send your art to nap. Nap at grammarica.com, gram at grammarica.com. And uh, I think that's it. Maybe that review it? us on iTunes. Oh, shit. Yeah, review us on iTunes. That would be Five good. star. Yeah, that's always good to, good to get. There's a link in the show notes right now. Just go to the show notes on your device, click on Graham's link, five star. Bingo, Pretty, bango. Bingo, bango, boom, shakalaka. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh, hey, one shout out. Any nights of the No Agenda Roundtable, get in contact with me. We'll have you on the podcast. We want to do a couple night episodes, little round table with the nights of the No Agenda. There you have it. I've been meaning to say that. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Ballistic linguistics got the characteristics to rip this with the quickness, leave you gripless with the slickness. We got the swift kicks, definitive linguistics, fathomless, so wind up a statistic. Ballistic linguistics got the characteristics to rip this with the quickness, leave you gripless with the slickness. We got the swift kicks, definitive linguistics, fathomless, so wind up a statistic. A lyrical battle can scatter the brains of the tattered weak. Have you ever been sought and have verbally make you want to grow spiritually? Pray that I don't ask you to take your lips to your ass, face to the glass. Anytime you want to clash, got more guns than mash. My mouth is like a ski mask, camouflage in my ill past, leave you in a full body cash. Visions of the future, you grow me in the Kama Sutra. An assassin of my music passion, keep the blunts passing. All you know, goal MCs won't be lasting. Straight to the top, but always watching the ground. I will never drop, you know I like how that sounds. My rhyme style shakes the ground, makes you drown, bring you down, make your head spin around. When I'm battling, I'm never a clown. I get the job done, and then I chill them place when in the sun. Vicious first, shoot out lyrical burst. Always quenching your thirst for words to make my enemies' ears hurt. Make your girls flirt, make your sweaters look like shirts. And supervise the weak MC, son. Watch them close, treat them like a hot gun. I'll leave you celibate like a nun. Leave you broken like fighting Jet Li, the one. I miss rappers like Tupac. Got the characteristics to rip this with the quickness, leave you gripless with the slickness. We got the swift kicks, definitive linguistics, fathomless, so wind up a statistic. Ballistic linguistics got the characteristics to rip this with the quickness, leave you gripless with the slickness. We got the swift kicks, definitive linguistics, fathomless, so wind up a statistic. My mind's never leveling, babbling till I'm severing and just in liquid fear for adrenaline can never bring the definition of my vision. Wishing there was more to us and simply plug flesh and beast on the On the eyes of the blind, you through the death. My life escaping faster than my last breath. Approaching death with a grin, buried deep within the sin that you bring. Reconfiguring perception of the modern primitive. Expanding the unlimited, uninhibited with our eminence. Use our laws as evidence. Following the path, let's travel for direction. Random interjections infect your section. Proceeding with an attitude correction. Life is nothing more than a lesson. Check your watch, it's about time for a reality check. Absorbing this ambassador of metaphors, opening the closed doors, listen to the ignore. Impossible to understand the purpose of this verse without first an open mind. Reconstruction of the broken, speaking to names for my only best friend. Extend my forum.
Rick's got the characteristics to rip this with the quickness, leave you gripless with the slickness. We got the swift kicks, definitive linguistics, fathomless, so wind up a statistic. Ballistic linguistics got the characteristics to rip this with the quickness, leave you gripless with the slickness. We got the swift kicks, definitive linguistics, fathomless, so wind up a statistic. I've an issue to big shoot a turn sideways and screw you. I promise you, I turn your face from skin to goo. Say spam. 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 Spam